Brand recognition is all we need. Yes. How cynical we were. How jaded we were. Like um, Aerosmith in the 1990s. <laughs> that was a single. Or like a dragon. Got a lot of radio play. A jade dragon. A j- the jade dragon. Dong. That was a temptable... Pete's dragon. Tempted a dong. Pete, a dong? Pete, Pete, Pete a, a dragon. <laughs> I hit the gong with my dong. Oh, God. And Pete's dragon went... Ugh. What's it called again? Elliot? Something like that, I think. The dragon. Oh, he's just called Pete's Dragon. That's his name. That's the name of the film. The dragon. His, 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 name, his name is Pete. You know the dragon. He walks around going dong dong. If you look on his, birth certificate, on, his, on his birth certificate, his name is Pete's Dragon. Pete S Dragon. No, no, well, no, no Pete no. S Dragon. But there was a printing error, no, no, and no. the full stop accidentally went above the S into the left, no, and it looks like no, an apostrophe. it's like a European name. It's Pete's Dragon. <laughs> so he's not a dragon made of Pete. No, he's. No, not like Pete as in Boggy Pete, like Pete as or, in... Or feces, for Pete, example. Like, I don't know. Manure. Pete Sampras. Pete Sampras. So he's made of various Pete's. Pete Dragon. There are small individual human beings, probably children, called Pete, who are glued together to create no! this dragon. No! What is the obsession with multiple Pete's? There's one Pete. There's one dragon. It's Pete's Dragon. Not a, It's not a dragon of Pete's. That's our show this week, everybody. Good night. <laughs> Welcome... <laughs> Welcome How the hell did we to an awfully confused Big Damn cast. Um, it's our Ghostbusters oh. special, so naturally, Pete's Dragon <laughs> is the topic of the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters, because in case you keep an eye on, on, our, on our social media in and on YouTube stuff... In case you haven't stuff, noticed. We, uh, well, yeah, Ghostbusters is out. Yeah. What? Just is this case. 1984? Which Temple of Doom and Kremlins also have this weekend? Oh, I wish. That was a great year for cinema. Yeah. Um, no, no, the new 2016 Ghostbusters movie came out. Uh, we went to see it the day before recording this. Yep. We reviewed it. You can yep. look it up on YouTube. Um, but we are pleasantly surprised and happy to announce that the finished thing... Ain't that bad at all. No. I'd go so far as to say it was pretty good. It's an entertaining film. Yeah. Really funny. Great yeah. cast. Um, very largely misrepresented in the, the uh, marketing. Got some problems. It's a little, yeah, oh, it's yeah. a little, there's a little sagging yeah. here and there. Some of the jokes don't quite work. But it's nowhere near as big a cataclysm as a cataclysmic event that we predicted based on all no. the stuff knowing going in. I mean, if the, the behind-the-scenes stories, which we'll go into, actually, later on, but if the behind-the-scenes stories of the Trouble, trouble production are true, that's a shame. But it hasn't affected the final product, none. So, fair dues. Yep. But more on that film later. If you want our, our non-spoilery thoughts on it, go to YouTube. The link will be in the description of this uh, this episode as well uh, to watch our non-spoiler review. And later, at the end of this episode, we're going to go into full spoiler talk yeah, about gonna, the new movie. We're going to dissect it like a roast chicken. <laughs> going to get all the meat off them bones. We're going to perform experiments on it like you read about. In people performing experiments on Things magazine. We're going to perform the Beck Delta. Can you imagine if that movie didn't pass the Beck Delta test? Can you imagine if it didn't? You know, it. I mean, does it? Oh, yeah. Because like, there's the thread of Christian Wig wanting to spank Thor. Um, yeah, well, that, it, I, then again, no one has a conversation about the fact that she's useless because she can't get a man or anything like that. It's more. Well, that's not what the Beck Delta The Beck Delta test is simpler. I, oh, no, the, yeah, they can't have a conversation about um, relationships or something. No, no. Right? Explain it to me. I don't know, it, no I don't know it entirely. At, at one point in the movie, two women, both named, must have a conversation which does not, which is not about a man. 
Okay, fair enough. Yeah, oh, yes, because any scenes where she's being a little bit lusty, she's with everyone else. Yeah, but it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter if they're included in it, though. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it has scenes where that doesn't happen. That just has to happen once in the gotcha, movie. Gotcha, I didn't realise that. No, no, it just has to happen once in the that. movie. Which is why it's a really flawed indicator of whether a movie's feminist or not. But it's it's not it's, it's, not, it's, it's not meant it's, to be. It's it comes more, from an old. It's more a guide for scriptwriters to just have a think about one well, no, story, it's, so it's, they don't. It's do not even that. It's, 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 it's a it's a gag that came from a satirical French comic Shut years and years door. ago that people take way too seriously. Oh, it's oh. not it's not a screenwriting rule or anything like that. It's literally oh. a gag from a comic, an old satirical comic. Right. I thought people, people. I thought people used it as a frame of reference, just to sort of. Avoid doing people stereotypical use it. No, people, conversations. People use it as a thought experiment. Okay. To like examine fiction, but it's not. It's not like a rule people use, or even one that necessarily means a film lacks any strong female characters or has strong female characters. Plenty of movies that do pass the Bechdel test are ridiculously sexist and vice versa. So, you know, it's just um, it's a gag. I learned something here today. You did learn something here today. The more you know, and so did you. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Yeah, you. He even pointed at you. You can't see him, but he can see you. I know what happened. I know. Stop thinking it. So we thought we'd go through the history <laughs> of Ghostbusters <laughs> as a whole, because we, we're pretty. We're, like, we're, not, we're not like we don't have the suits. We don't have proton packs. I wouldn't say I'm that into anything because you know I I don't have any money. Iron Man, um, but Iron Man, no, because I don't have enough money. Fair um, enough. <laughs> but I mean, I, you do you do have the individual members' uh, pinky digits, the original digits, and so the ones they have now, of course, are replicas. But yeah, yeah. You have the original I, digits you know, in, it, I, in a cigar case that you keep on you at all times. Yeah, cryogenically frozen in my left buttock. <laughs> I have a compartment. Compa- when I said you keep it on you at all times, I was of course referring to the pocket of flesh that you formed in yeah, your buttock. It's like it's like Robocop's <laughs> gun holster, but made of flesh. <laughs> Um, when you get them out, do you twizzle each of them round your own fingers? Yeah, yeah. To impress your son. I, they're, they're all, <laughs> there we go, and I put them back in. They're all loaded into the magazine of an Auto 9, and I just fire them out, and then I have to reload the magazine. It gets real messy. Oh. You've got to be quick, or else they'd start to thaw out. I bet they don't have the original fingernails. So, we are so off topic. But, what um, are we even talking about? We this like is why we busters. usually record earlier in the day. We like, yeah, recording this quite late at night. Yeah. Recording this at 6am. <laughs> um, we we really like Ghostbusters. We both. I mean, would you put? Would you say it's one of the movies that? Let's not. I mean, let's not simplify things as much as saying people have top tens. But would you say that it would qualify or seriously qualify if you sat down and had to pick your top ten films? Would Ghostbusters make it? Would it be close? Oh god, it'd be on there. Yeah, I definitely, I don't know how I definitely far think it that first would be on there, but it'd be on there. I definitely think that first movie would be in my top ten. Oh yeah, 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 hands down, hands uh, down. We also don't dislike the second movie, which on the internet seems to be a, a weird lot thing. Of now. People really don't like Ghostbusters two, but I really like Ghostbusters two. Maybe we had to be of adult age or like late teens at the time of its release I to mean, be cynical, because I can't think of anyone sort of around our age who who out? detests the second one. 91, I think? 89. It's set in 89. Did it come out in 89? I think it came out in 89. It came out in 89? Yeah, because it was five years later. So it came out the year uh, after I was born. So it was on TV quite a lot when I was little. Yeah, because the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon went on until 92, didn't it? Yeah. It survived a couple more years after and the film. And the, the cartoon and Ghostbusters 2 on TV, or on VHS taped off TV, was my first exposure to Ghostbusters. So. Really? Your yeah. first exp- your first yeah. exposure was the... I definitely saw two... At least I can remember, I definitely saw two first. Well, let's go chronological, bitch. Yeah. That was mean. Sorry. Um, In release let's, order. Let's go in release order, bitch. Yeah. Um, 
Ghostbusters. Ghost. They're here to save the world. They are here to save the world. Who are you going to call? Was not catchy. So who are you going to call? Uh, <laughs> who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Who are you going to ring? Uh, some blokes. Some blokes. Uh, bunch of blokes. Bunch of, <laughs> so, d- three disgraced scientists and a dude who will believe anything you want if there's a steady paycheck in it. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> the world's nastiest receptionist. So the first movie uh, is a thang. It's a thang. Um, basically birthed from, as far as I can tell, uh, out of the movie vagina. No, it was birthed, uh, it was an idea <laughs> of Aykroyd's for... Him and John Belushi, and the yeah. first draft was written in 1980. Yeah. Um, John Belushi, in the words of Aaron Reitman, in one of the documentaries on the Blu-ray release, um, then left this this universe, uh, and Dan kind of just put the idea to bed. But then, sometime in '83, he talked about it to Ivan Reitman about potentially directing such a project, and Ivan Reitman said, "Oh, this is great. I like the idea, uh, but I think it, I think you just need to sort of focus on the." comedy or at least you know the sort of the character interaction a little more because Dan Aykroyd was very heavy in into the science aspect of it all well, we, so well he, the parascience aspect of it yeah. is like, pa- well para- parapsychology paranormal um study and and metaphysics this and, will come up but Dan Aykroyd yeah. is a crazy person Dan Aykroyd is insane he's a crazy man um but the, he, he said like look have have my friend Harold Ramis look over it and um, I think Gavin Reitman and Harold Ramis worked together is it Stripes is the one yeah, that Reitman directed which has Harold um, Ramis and Bill Murray in it, and John Candy, I think he's in that one as well. I'm not sure if he's in Stripes. Um, I might be drunk, but um, uh, quite possibly. It is 6 a.m. <laughs> it's 5 p.m. somewhere. Zero uh, um, years. Uh, it's, and, and Harold Ramis, turns out, got some of the references Aykroyd had made to the, the, the more supernatural elements in the script. He was like, oh, you yeah, know, I like that stuff too. Like, I, I've read into that. And obviously, not to the extent of Aykroyd, but like, he, he got some of the stuff, yeah. which impressed Aykroyd so much that he was like, yeah, I, yes, please work with me on this new draft of the script. Like, we are going to get on like a house on fire. Yeah. And they really bloody did because the draft they turned out is pretty much the one they ended up making. A lot had to get toned down um, from the previous draft. There was yeah. stuff like, I think it was like a trip to hell. Which, which is something they wanted to do later. <laughs> they have helmets in the original storyboards. They were really weird. They were really nice drapes in some of the locations, yeah, and they took them down because uh, they didn't want to wreck them. But yeah, so uh, like Bill Murray was cast presumably because of his work on with Harold Ramis and I'm right on Stripes. They're like, yeah, it'd be great for it. So you've got three SNL alumni uh, working together. Did Ramis star in SNL? Or did he write SNL? I don't. I think not, he may have definitely done comedy stuff with Bill Murray and. Mm. Dan Aykroyd before. Yeah. Uh, Second City. He'd done Second City. Oh, of course, Second City, um, yeah. So, yeah, they were, they de- there was de- they definitely knew each other from earlier stuff. So It was called Ghost Smashers as well. Well, that on, was... Wasn't it? That was because of the whole filmation Ghostbusters debacle. Yeah, let's... Do you know what? Let's, let's very briefly let's go... Fur- let's go further back than the original because movie. Because this will come up again. Yes. Um, oh, so in some film- really weird ways. So, filmation, years before... I think in the in the late in the mid seventies, I think it was. Filmation's heyday was like 60s, 70s. Oh, it might have been earlier than that then. Um, yeah. So they made a live action show called The Ghostbusters. Two words: Ghostbusters, not one word like it is in the in the <clears throat> film. I don't believe it was one word at first. It was the Ghostbusters? Oh, right. Um, gotcha. I was a Ghostbusters was one word, but the, no, no, because... the oh. <laughs> Ghost. Got yeah. Busters. Got yeah. Three words. Okay. Altogether. Ghostbusters was two words. Gotcha. I knew there was a discrepancy yeah. involving a space. Ghost. <laughs> Busters. There we go. Um, 
Pause again. The space ghost space, space busters. Not, not copyright they're, symbol. They're not spacing. Space. There's, there's no space in the word space. It's not sci-fi. It's not. Well, it's a sci-fi show, but it's not. N- never mind. It's the Ghostbusters. Filmations, anyway, the Ghostbusters. Yeah, and there was an ape in it. There was a talking ape, and there was a drag car, and two weird guys, and it, I, I, I've never watched an episode of the Ghostbusters, because it looked terrible. I'm assuming it's about a team that deal with science and try to get it rid of ghosts. It looked like some, and... like... No, it didn't even... <laughs> I don't know what it was about. It was called the Ghostbusters, and there was an ape on... There was a talking ape on the team, in a top hat. I mean, what else do you need to... No, not like a bowler hat, but what else do you need to know? <laughs> oh, of course, that's yeah. the important distinction. If no, he was in a top hat, yeah, but... then we'd probably pay the yeah, show it more... It wasn't an English gen, it was in a bowler hat, so it was more like, I don't know, like a banker. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about the Ghostbusters. Are you saying bankers can't be gents? Look, the only thing I know about the Ghostbusters is that it existed, all right? That's all I know. It existed and it predates the Ghostbusters. So, there was a copyright situation with Filmation and at one point it was going to be called Ghost Smashers even into the filming they weren't sure which title they were going to have to go with so they were filming some stuff as Ghost Smashers some stuff as Ghostbusters and so like Ivan Reitman was like yo we need to sort this out let's mm. work out a deal with Filmation they worked out a deal with Filmation being that Ghostbusters was theirs for the film but the name Ghostbusters could still be used by Filmation for TV projects so essentially these are words that exist we can't own words, but we can own combinations of we words and how they're absolutely represented. Absolutely, can own words, but uh, people but, do. Yes. Uh, but, but I mean, like they were. So they, we both have access to the same words. However, yours stay on the big screen, ours stay on the small screen. Good yes. day, sirs. I said good day, sirs. Good day, sirs. As they throw their bowler hat to the ground in anger. Why don't you have a talking ape in your Ghostbusters <laughs> film? Because it's not that kind of film. No, we've got a green um, onion with arms yeah, instead. Yeah, but that's um, what we've got. So Ghostbusters goes into production, and it does face a lot of hiccups. Some to do budget, some to do with budget during the making. Because uh, I believe that when asked like, "How much money would you need by the studio?" Yeah. Ivan Reitman sort of went like, "I just pulled it out of his ass and went uh, sort of three times what you gave us for Stripes." Stripes was like ten million dollars, relatively low budget. So the studio were like, "Okay, thirty million dollars. There you go." He's like, "Oh, okay." Um, which, again, in the 80s, $30 million is like the equivalent of, say, $80 million. It's, there's you know room for inflation, this, that, and the other, and you can get more done. But it was still not enough to make, enough to make movie. the movie that Dan Aykroyd envisioned. Luckily, the last draft was a lot easier to, you know, a lot more accessible in terms of the effects available and set pieces. A little easier to digest. Yeah. And more fibre. Yeah. Mm, yeah, mm. and then it was crapped out beautifully. Went straight through the system because uh, they, they turned it around relatively quickly. You know, yeah. it was out in '84, um, <clears throat> and yeah, Ghostbusters. What a movie! What a damn good movie! I don't think we need to tell anyone anything about the plot of Ghostbusters. It's Ghostbusters. Yes, you don't need us. To, you don't. You know what Ghostbusters is? It's, it's one of those cultural touchstones, at least of uh, our generation. Probably the nerdier set because we're. All, I was just old enough to catch the end of the, t- of the cartoon show um, and like the TV syndication of the second movie. Um, but certainly the generation before mine, who are now in their late 30s, that was absolutely the touchstone of their childhoods. Which is weird um, because it isn't a family movie. But it's not. <clears throat> it's it's sort of... I mean, it's, it's really sort of a, PG. It's like a very adult story in terms of some of the stuff that's dealt with. Um, How? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. Like the characters' approach. And their attitude isn't a family-friendly attitude. It's not attitude for children. No, 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 absolutely not. But the fantastical elements 
captured people's imagination. Absolutely, absolutely. And and that's where the sort of the the franchisey kind of potential that they 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 focus on later, yeah, sort of was birthed because this film initially it's like films like Return to Oz, things like that, where really this is a little frightening compared to what you would sit well, down think, to watch with your children. I think, but I think slightly different to Return to kids Oz. Can handle it. Return to Oz was written as a children's film. Was it? I yeah. mean, I don't know if you've watched that lately. Oh, yeah, but, I've, uh, I've, you know, I think that was written to torture people. I've seen Revenge Wars, but it was written as a, you know, it wasn't written as a... Tell us where you're hiding the weapons you've stolen. You can go to hell! Right, sit him down. Play him Return to Oz. As soon as it gets to the scene with all those heads, he's going to shit himself. Hey, hey. <laughs> Return to Oz is a creepy movie. It's creepy as But film. it was, you know, it wasn't written as a... Show me a wheeler movie. and tell me not to piss my pants. Hey, it's, it's creepy. I'll concede <laughs> that point. But so is Ghostbusters. Um, but yeah, but no, yeah, well, that's not the point I'm making. Yeah. The point I'm making is that Ghostbusters was not written as a children's movie, but attracted children enough to the point where they had a children's cartoon. Although the 80s was a weird time when they were making children's cartoons out of all sorts of weird properties. That... Making toys out of other properties. It was like Avenger cartoon, for crying out loud. It was Robocop and Aliens figures. Uh, there was, that, was in, that, was, that, <laughs> that was in the early 90s, but yeah, it was kind of holdover from that. It's that weird it thing was... of, oh yeah, we'll make toys out of this, even was... though the product itself is not intended for the people well, making toys the, for. The Terminator 2 toy line, and Terminator 2 was, <laughs> was you know made into a PG-13 movie as opposed to being a sequel to an 18... Uh, I mean, it seems an R-rated 18 movie. Um, <laughs> because... You know, they get that audience, but Ghostbusters wasn't. It, it wasn't trained to be a kids' film. A kids' film, but it was just because it was. It wasn't. You know, there wasn't any like explicit sex in it. There wasn't really any explicit language in it. It was creepy. I wouldn't go so far to say it, it was kind of scary, but not like overtly scary. No, a lot of the a lot of the the unease and, and eerie elements come from the score. I find actually watching yeah, it again last yeah, night, yeah. the score is what makes it sort of really it adds to the freaky and moments. the stuff in the stacks in the library the, the, star, oh, the, yeah. the score in the library that's theremin tremendous. stuff yeah that's all I mean. yeah, yeah that's it's really good like, oh god um, and the really bombastic like you know when when um, you first see the statue of Zool crack open yeah and, and the stuff the, the dun, 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 big horns and the stuff with the, with the dogs the, the Zool dogs Oh, yeah, the um, Zool, Zool and Vince Clotho. I've never got over that. It's like, this one is Zool. Zool, the gatekeeper. And who's this? This is the key master. What's their, what's their name? Vince? No, Vince Clotho? It's Vince. Vince Clotho. Vince with a Z. Hi, I'm Vince. Vince I'm Vince Clotho. I oh, see, so he went from, he went from, like, accountant to, like, pretentious douchey kid. I'm Vince. <laughs> I'm Vince Clotho. Oh, I'm Vince. I'm from New Jersey. Hey, the name's Vince over here. I don't is. <laughs> American Italian. I'm Cousin oh, Vinny. Cousin Vinzy. Um, you know where we come from? We got a word for people like you. Uh, <laughs> ghosts. Oh, right, okay. Ghosts. <laughs> it's ghosts. Spectres, ghouls, goblins. Um, <laughs> oh, boom, with the ectoplasm over there. Oh, <laughs> I'm walking here. Forget about it. God, well, so, it is set in New York, so I guess yeah. that works. It's very um, much a New York movie. It's such a New York movie. Good lord, it embodies a lot of New York. In fact, yeah, the second yeah. film, which we'll go into more into later, the whole reason for the 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 evil slime thing there was because at that point in America, New York was like politically nasty, and everything, the country was in a foul mood. It was in a bad place, and New York was sort of a hub for this. Yeah, I think it was just before Rudy Giuliani started cleaning stuff up, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh god. Um, but you know, that's the the first film. Sort of serves as a as a love letter. It's one of the quintessential New York films. Yeah. Like there are some films you associate with cities, 
you know, at London, you think of uh, Mary Poppins. Well, not so much Mary Poppins. More like Peter Pan. Disney's Peter Pan's a very London film because that opening sequence shows these glorious painted like backdrops of the Thames and, and, it's and, got and, and everything. It, yeah. and, and it makes a point of doing that. And, and, and 28 Days Later comes to mind when I think of films that sort of embody London, for example. Yeah. Like 28 Days Later always comes to mind. Walking around the deserted city and things like that. It doesn't really hit the landmarks. No, in the, but, but in the same way that a lot of those movies do. But it, it. But if someone says to you, "Oh, name a film with London in it," I immediately think Twenty Eight Days Later. I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, 20, yeah." Watch the opening ten mm-hmm. minutes. You get to see Killian Murphy's penis and Big Ben, which ironically is also Killian Murphy's <laughs> penis. <isn't it? laughs> so oh, obvious jokes, obvious, but I can't go with it. Big, big Bell. Yeah. Like, um, oh. So there's that. But like New York again, like New York. Um, I think later years, especially people like of our age and younger, might even think the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Like they make a big sort of thing of glorifying well, New York Spider-Man and showing too. off New York. Well, number you one, you want to get well. to him, you gotta go to us. Yeah, well, the tr- well, which is a sequel to the "You mess with us, you mess with all of us." But the, you know, there's not to be said about those <laughs> movies being very much about the the spirit of New York post 9/11 and yeah. recovering from that. <clears throat> Whereas um, Ghostbusters is the spirit of New York in the sense that it's <laughs> everyone hates. It's kind of a shithole, but it's also glorious. It's ours. We've got hot dog stands that look kind of gross, even yeah. without the big green things sliming out of them. But yeah. we've got these wonderful libraries. We've got great museums. We've got art galleries that look beautiful. We Statue of Liberty walks around. The whole place is amazing. It's, it's a great love letter to the city because it showcases it in a really cool way. And has given people excuses to just go for wonders throughout New York, looking yeah. for the locations from Ghostbusters. Yeah. Which like, you can find. Yeah, <clears throat> You can, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the hotel front that doubles as Dana's apartment building in mm-hmm. real life uh, opposite, there is still that restaurant there yeah. that Louis, uh, Louis, Lewis runs into, like Lewis Tully when he's banging on the window, like that's still there, and and the door is locked. Weird, there are any restaurants that lock you in, but so that's strange. There's a sort of reference to that in the new movie. I yeah, yeah. So she tries to get, just yeah. slide it. Yeah, she can't. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 at the time, like, I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird little moment, and I'm like, oh my god, it's a reference to Lewis Tully. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair yeah. Enough. I noticed that on the on rewatch as well. But, um, we'll come yeah. to that when we get into the new movie. I love the first one um, so much. I just the way it builds. The fact that the beginning is really small scale. It's just these dudes checking out the library. Yeah. One of them's reluctant. Like Ego and Ray, are the only ones who are really kind of excited about this. Peter so. is just sort of like, okay, I guess I better come along because but, it's almost like he knows. And I get this sense in both films, but it's like he knows that if he's not there to sort of keep the bab- the scientific babble yeah. to a minimum, they're going to get probably arrested or thrown out of places. But it's also he's Even got... though they know what they're doing, they're not very good at getting it across to he, people. He's just got the sort of reluctance about the whole thing as well. He just doesn't really care. <laughs> no. he just, he just, he's like, he, doesn't, he doesn't really want to be there. He just wants to <laughs> slack off, pick up women, and just be a bit of a creep. But Fenkman is a creepy character. He's a creepy dude. He is a sexually likes, creepy character. Like, at the start of the movie, he's hitting on a student. And he's like Indiana Jones is doing it. But when, when he's no, doing Indiana it, Jones isn't hitting on a student. He's having students hit on him. But then when you do the maths and work out how old um, uh, Doctor uh, Jones is in comparison uh, to a student, yes, yeah. well, I don't know how old um, he <laughs> is in comparison to um, what should we call it, uh, Marion Ravenwood. Oh, uh, yeah. And oh. like how old, how old they they must have been when they had their relationship the first time around before they broke up. Then I was like, oh, yeah, that's a bit... I think different. in the 80s, people just didn't care. I think I think big hair must have been some kind of like, oh, they got big hair. Oh, forget oh, about big it. big hair. And then he's, he's really... They're attractive and have big hair. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Like Venkman at the start, oh, like doing the, the experiments on, um, on you know, the, the sort of telepathic powers and everything with the two... You volunteered. <laughs> You're paying, <laughs> we're paying you, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Keep your five bucks. <laughs> 
five books to get electrocuted 700 but times. You know, the humour's also... The humour's, like... <laughs> it's a funny movie, but they don't... It's not wacky. Like, it's full of jokes, it's but so they're not... Well they're not so much jokes as they are just funny stuff that happens between characters and lines, but none of the lines <laughs> feel like gags. They just feel like actual dialogue. Yeah, there are there are a couple of structured lines in the movie. Yeah, but even yeah. then, like in terms of the funnies, but even then they're played so naturally. I mean, the one that comes yes. to mind for me is the whole um, till the containment unit was shot up by Dickles. Oh, it's so good. Is this true? Yes, Your Honor, it's true. This man has no dick. <laughs> like, it's, but it's all in delivery. It's all yes. it, it's... like Murray's delivery is so like you can tell that it just feels like Venkman's just gone. Oh, I'm gonna say this because it'll piss him off. Um, and that's the kind of guy Bateman is as well. Like he does <laughs> the, the whole movie, he's just snacking off everyone. He does apologise for it at one point. He snacks off to Janine and apologises for it immediately. Oh, which, he says that you got the bug eye thing. Which is then Janine, followed, sorry about the bug eye thing. <laughs> which is then immediately followed by another moment in the film, which always makes me pissed when Egon comes out from under the desk. <gasps> I don't know why it makes me laugh so much, but it's just the fact that he's been there the whole time. Because, and because he's ten just seconds emerging. later, because ten seconds later you get. He's not. I'm saying it now. He's not been up to anything naughty. That no, no. He's been. He's been but preparing you, something. But you get the something. sense ten seconds later from how Janine talks to him that the only reason she's probably asked him to look at this thing is <laughs> so, so he that he's under dope. the desk near her legs because she's getting the thrill out of this. Because Janine, let's face it, Janine is the voice of, and I, I find this actually the more people I talk about this movie, like the more the more people I talk about this movie, the more I find out a lot of people find Egon really sexy. Especially in this first film, um, I think it's the quiet, the quiet genius. It's always kind of the thing. quiet ones, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's always we'll, the quiet we'll ones. We'll get into the toaster uh. later. Um, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, it's just something. Is this the birth of the nerds of sexy? Egon, Egon was always my favourite character. Um, <laughs> it's because he's just because so, he's, he's so just... socially awkward. He's quite yeah, possibly he's quite like... possibly got like a behavioural as like a socially sort of awkward condition nerd growing up. Like he's definitely <clears throat> has that identification factor, and also like the fact there's that feeling when you're growing up as a kid and you're quite smart. I mean, I'm no genius, but I'm smarter than the average bear. Um, <laughs> you just don't say it in the voice. <laughs> smarter than the average bear. Yeah, smarter uh, than the average bear. Boo boo. So there is that. I did have that feeling growing up that everyone around me was kind of dumber than I am, and that, <laughs> and that probably also means I've got some kind of personality disorder. But you know, no, it's just because hanging um, out with me sort of makes you realise that maybe you were right. Oh wait, I'm definitely smarter <laughs> than you are. But there is it. But that's very um, true. So I can't. I, can, I was kind of Egon was one of my kind of uh, spirit animals. Yeah, no, that is a perfect description. Up, that is a perfect is, description. But obviously I'm not as quite as clever as Egon is, and I also did try to drill a, a hole in my own head. <laughs> uh, and I don't collect sports Molten Fungus. It's a shame, because you have a lot of fun with that. But even in the cartoon, <laughs> Egon was my favourite character, because of his just obliviousness to social cues. But everyone liked him, so... He's a lot more mentory, I think, in the cartoons as yeah, well. Like, well. Like, most literally in the second cartoon, but in, the, in real Ghostbusters, for example, he sort of... He's the one who sort of they'll they will turn to if they need the solution if they need the plan. Yeah. Um. Which, to be fair, in the first movie, there's a lot of that. It just seems that under pressure, he can crack. Like his, his <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm his... terrified beyond the capacity for rational, rational thought, thought, which is one of the best lines in the whole movie. Okay, Egon's gone. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 
so But good. at the same time, he never panics. The character never no, visibly panics. He just, or he's, he's, he's such a mask. Realises they've not really tested the, the proton packs. They could all die. Mm. Still says it with a relatively sort of low-pitched, dry <laughs> delivery. But then tries to back away from Ray in the lift. Oh, that moment. <laughs> that moment. Just... Or, or signalling. Egon just backs away and Peter just... Peter doesn't look at Egon, but obviously feeling him on his shoulder, he's like, oh. And okay. he just shifts just enough to give them a bit more room. And just, oh my god, and Ray stood there, oblivious. Ray's more nervous about the fact they're going to see a ghost, because he's probably thinking, oh, this is exciting, I'm going to see another one, like, I hope we get to get a good look at it. Oh, this is all a little worrying. And they're just like, we might blow up in this lift right now. <laughs> they're wearing unlicensed nuclear accelerators on their backs. There's the whole Twinkie speech, that's Egon. Oh, it's beautiful. That's beautiful, but it's um, it's just yeah. The characters are all great. I raised this sort of ball of as, uh, as enthusiasm. A, as and... a kid, he was my favourite, and I think oh, that's he's, why. He's I, th- just... I think that's why because he was just like raised, loving every minute oh, of he's it. So he's so excited for everything. <laughs> Everything that happens. And he also really fancies ghosts, apparently, because he has that weird dream sequence. Is it a dream sequence? I think it... Yeah, because they're they're asleep in the bunkhouse, and then it sort of does the dream dissolve. And then he's, like, dressed as Napoleon. I've got a feeling... In the bed. I've got a feeling that... He must have been transported or something. It would be so weird if midway through this montage of them doing cases and meeting ghosts... He's suddenly just part of the but montage. Have, Do you know what this montage needs? Though. What's that, Dan? This montage needs a scene of me getting blown by a ghost. <laughs> it needs a sexy dream sequence. But I just don't... It must be a dream, because they have that dissolve. Yeah, maybe he's having a vision. Maybe he's being given a vision. Maybe it's a flashback. Maybe it's a flashback sexy dream. <laughs> a sexy flashback dream. A sexy dream. <laughs> a sexy dream. Mm, I'm going to have a sexy ghost dream. Race dance, sexy dream, baby. <laughs> Ray's enthusiasm is Ray is amazing, stance. and his innocence as well. His innocence, which is which makes that dream sequence all the more weird. Yeah, well, you know, he's always the quiet one again. <laughs> Ray's not quiet, but like, <laughs> my good point. Oh god, but like, but just the whole. I mean, Stay Puft is is all him. Mm. That's down to him, and in real life, it is down to the fact that um, Dan Aykroyd just liked the idea of something really sweet being turned into the destroyer of worlds. Choose the form of the destructor. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. So we, it was it? If we think it's of Jay Hoover. Hoover. We think of Jay Hoover. We think of Hoover's going to appear and kill us. <laughs> Just clear your minds. <laughs> so oh, God. I, also, the most quotable movie ever made. Yeah, well, we were talking about that before, yeah, were we? Like, well, it, it quite it, possibly is. It is. It definitively is. <laughs> And I don't care what you say about Batman eighty nine. Hey, hey, I agree. Is eminently more quotable. Ghostbusters is more quotable than Batman eighty nine. I still think the Joker, Jack Nicholson's Joker, is the most quotable movie character of all time. But um, any any of the four Ghostbusters. Well, any let, of the four Ghostbusters. Let, let's move on to one of the other four. <laughs> let's let. Do you know what? Let's um, because here's the thing. I, I you should always save your best for last. So I'm going to talk about my favourite first. <laughs> yeah. Because my favourite is not the one that everyone loves the most. But my favourite's Winston. I love Winston's I like Edmund. Winston. I like them all, but yeah, Winston's great. Because when Winston arrives, you could start the film at that part. That could be the beginning of the movie. Mm. Winston's suddenly a window into the film, into this world, even though we've already been with the other guys from the start. And it's strange because when he joins them, they've been active for, it sort of implied a few months at this point. They've done quite well. Mm. Like, they, they got to the point where they're a well-oiled machine, they're having regular calls. Um, after yeah. a funky montage, it sums it all up. 
like, and, 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 and the reason they put the... <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need an extra pair of hands around here. Ray just never leaves his bed. No. no. <laughs> because he's just... We think he's depressed, but he always looks so happy. He's got cross-eyed. And... <laughs> so strange. Oh. Um... <laughs> Oh, God. Bust, busting apparently makes him feel good. It does. It does. Um, but <laughs> but they, put, they reach out for an extra pair of hands because they're just, they've just they got too much work. And yeah. just another pair of hands who can help them out and join in and do the basics of the busting is what they're after. But there's, and, a, there's a real list of things he's got to believe in yeah. <laughs> before he gets that job. God, that's just... I mean, that's his first line in the movie, isn't it? If, if there's a steady paycheck in it. I'll believe anything you say. <laughs> He's such a great addition because he does come into it about halfway through the runtime of the movie. He's, he's the everyman, and he's sort of the beginning of the idea that <clears throat> anyone can be a Ghostbuster. Yes, because this is the thing: um, the, the, the three founders—they're <clears throat> incredibly likable. We love watching them, and out of the three of them, the one who is closest to maybe being an average Joe is Venkman. But even then, he's still like parapsychologist, like a physicist. Like he's still gets what like, they're doing. He doesn't get the jargon, dude. but he knows what it does. And, and he's, he's also a, a creepy dude who takes tranquilizers on a date with him. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as well. Um, but Winston's just hes just a guy. He's just a bloke. And and he joins them on quite possibly the worst possible day. Yeah. He he, yeah. <laughs> he, join, he joins them on the day that... Um, what was it? Happens on their first day? No, no, no. The containment unit happens later. On confusing scenes, he joins them. We get the speech about the twinkie in the containment unit. Yes, yeah, so and, and then after a couple, and then after a couple weeks with them is when Pet comes to shut it down. Because I noticed that as well when he says, "Your Honor, I've been with these guys a couple weeks." Yeah, because we were we were talking about this the other day. It was like, how long had Winston been with them by the time they get shut down? I was, I was adamant that he was with them before the montage, but I hadn't seen the film for for a bit. Yeah. But, but I, I, well, I made nervous last night. Like he, he says, "I've been with yeah, these guys a couple of weeks, Your Honor," but they are the real deal. I have seen shit that would turn you white. <sighs> Great delivery, and yeah. Batman eighty nine is totally more quotable than this movie, Chris. <laughs> We've quoted half the movie already. I'm of a mind to make some movie. Oh, that's that's nonsense. Yes, it is it's nonsense. <laughs> but so is this movie in the best possible way. Oh, man. But so so his inclusion's great. I want to very quickly touch on something. Everyone always says, "Did you know Eddie Murphy was originally cast in that part?" I have seen at least two sources, like from like documentaries about the film and, and, and articles about the movie, that say no, Eddie Murphy was never never even considered I think because I think I think briefly they toyed with Murphy um, being involved because he was part of the SNL alumni yeah but if they'd have cast him they would have cast him as one of the other characters I think they would have cast him as one of the three founders but then when they realised that well, hang on no we've got the three the three guys we've, we're writing it with, with Harold Dan like writing it for themselves and, and, and Bill in mind so that's never going to happen but also like it would be really distracting as hell if he suddenly rocked up 45 minutes in because at this point he was starting to become a household name. Could you imagine Eddie Murphy, Lewis Tully? No. I don't, <laughs> want, to, I don't want to imagine Eddie Murphy, Lewis Tully. Oh yeah, but oh yeah, I, I, don't, I don't want to because I've seen Norbit. We will... Oh, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk more about... We'll talk more about um, Lewis, Janine and, uh, and Dana when we move on to number two, because I think, I think we can talk about both movies and stuff, but, yeah, yeah. but I, I, let's, let's round off chatting about number one for the moment by moving on to everyone's favorite ghostbuster. Aside from me, because mine's Winston, Pete Venkman. Oh, um, I've heard this movie described as a Just... Bill Murray vehicle a couple of times. Um, and though I disagree, well, I disagree. Really, yeah. yeah. 
but I can see why they think that. I, I, because I absolutely he is the, made Bill Murray a star. He's the breakout performance yeah. in it. Yeah. Because suddenly you're in this bizarre story where this weird, creepy, funny, fascinating stuff is happening. He's like a game show host. He's like a game show He's host. He's like a game show host. He's not a stiff. He's like a game show host. He's just so... His pitch is perfect in this movie. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's dry. He's sarcastic. He's sardonic. He's, he's just... He completely understands the weight of what's going on around him, but if it doesn't affect him immediately at that moment, he couldn't give a crap. He'd like to sit down or perv on someone or it, just take a load off. It's uh, exactly an the right amount figure. of Bill Murray disinterest. Yeah. In fact, I would argue <laughs> that Peter Venkman, his role is incredibly important within the story because he's technically the reason why everything goes tits up. Yes. Peck visits. Venkman's the first yes. one to talk to him and pisses him off. Yeah. Pet comes back with a permit. I mean, that, like, that like was three always... weeks later, and has the place shut down and turns off the containment unit. Had he not had 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 Egon or Ray been there, there probably would have been a much more pleasant conversation with Peck that would have resulted in the non-termination of their lease of the building and the and this containment unit being switched off. Yeah, which is what gives goes and everything know, enough. Pa- that's what gives it enough power. I mean, I think that conversation would have still happened, but it would have taken longer. And me- yeah, it could have been averted, I suppose. But yeah, no, I, yeah, exactly. Um, like we already, we already, we already have gatekeeper and, and keymaster at this point. <laughs> like they're already around. They're already around. But I think, if I remember correctly, they make reference to the fact that now everything's out. It's like just, the building's drawing more power from all the chaos. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, maybe the staple of Marshmallow Man would have ended up being about like two foot tall had the containment unit not been opened. <laughs> Choose the form of the destructor. Oh hello. Oh, hey, tiny, tiny marshmallow man. Spores! <laughs> Venkman um, is so good. And it also begins the creepy loop of uh, Bill Murray and Lorenzo Music. Yes. Because Bill Murray's Venkman. Lorenzo Music plays Venkman in the cartoon show. Lorenzo Music is also the voice of Garfield, who Bill Murray then plays in the movies. That's ridiculous. Bloody weird. And I imagine I imagine there'd be people who, who swear Bill Murray played both characters across all boards because they're just used to those two voices. Like being part of the same characters. Oh, oh, there's stuff about the Bill Murray voice in the cartoon. I <laughs> got um, Let's let's hear some highlights because I could talk Ghostbusters one all day, man. Um, I freaking love that best movie. Best piece of Ghostbusters one. Stay puff uh, for starters because visually puff, that is incredible. Stay puff sequence. Just is this great. giant Michelin man-esque motherfucker just stomping through the city with a massive happy smile on his face as he crushes cars. Yeah. And knocks down parts of skyscrapers and just like looks terrifying. Especially when he crawls up the building and he, he gets his chucky face. Where he just starts scowling and screaming as the proton beams hit him. One of my very earliest memories <laughs> is having a nightmare about seeing the Staple of Marshmallow Man at my window. Then it must have been pretty tough for you playing the game. Which again, we'll get to in a bit. Well, no, because... When a certain sequence happens and you start to feel, uh, am I doing something wrong? Why does this keep going? Why does this keep going? You know exactly what I'm talking about because you are fresh out of that box, my <laughs> yeah, friend. Yeah, no, that's true. We'll get into that in a moment because that, that is... Oh, God, that is so um, But Staple is amazing. Uh, yeah. The entire... The entire Sedgwick section is brilliant, but the library at the beginning just sort of does its job. It does its job so well. It's, it's really good at establishing all the characters very quickly. Their particular quirks um, and quirks relationships and, to each other. Yeah, their dynamic, and then then the ghost happens. You're like, oh, okay, this that's what this movie is. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> the technology, the, the way they introduce it in the film slowly but surely is just great. You yeah. go like, what is this stuff? It looks like it's made from bits. 
And like it's like a part of a bigger, more dangerous machine. They've just unplugged it and strapped it to themselves. It's exactly what they've done. It's um, just horrifying to look at. <laughs> oh god, like the montage is that when you after they've captured Slime at the Sedgwick, then there's the montage. Yeah. Sorry, after they've captured Onion Head at the Sedgwick. Let's yeah, get it right. He's, yeah, he's, let's get it period correct. I think he's laying in. I think he's actually officially named Peanut for a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, um, because he's not, I think he's credited as Onion Head in the credits at the end of the movie. Because sure. Ivan Reitman's credited as his voice. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Ivan Reitman played him in both movies. He did provide the vocal effects for him. Um, <laughs> which is so it, weird. Just chewing. It made me wonder, actually. I've not looked it up, but it makes me wonder if Paul Feig did him for the new one. We'll see. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll have to take a look up at that. I'll have a look at that. I'll have a little look at that. I'll have a little look at that. I'll have a little look at that. But just set pieces, the way the film looks, just hitting certain things that just like immediately stay in your head. You hear the siren of Ecto One, you know instantly it's Ecto One siren. Mm. Like it's just there. Uh, like oh. this rep- this uh, fine feast represents the last of the petty cash. <laughs> like, it's just these little moments. Chew your food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> just so much, so much. The way Peter deals with clients. Like the fact that he takes it completely seriously and knows what he's doing when he talks to possessed Dana, to the weird conversation with the lady at the library at the beginning. That's obviously like questions he has to ask just to make yeah. sure she's in the right mind. But it all comes across really awkward and creepy. Yeah. Um, the creepy realization, like you said, that he's got a bunch of tranquilizer with him because that's how he knocks out Dana. Very strange. It's a little bit creepy, isn't it? Very, very strange. Ooh, but this is there is there's too much in that movie to love. Like Lewis's reaction to the terror dog. Like, just, oh, everything. It's such a good movie. Mm. And it's such a good movie that I don't know if it was born out of impatience for a follow-up or just the studio's desire to cash in on its success, but it led to the creation of an animated series known as The Real Ghostbusters, which, a bit weird, that's not the name of the film, is it? Well... That's because their old friends decided oh, to surface. Yeah. Their old friends' formation <laughs> before they could get the real Ghostbusters um, movie spin-off cartoon into production. They produced their own cartoon called Ghostbusters, which is now one word, and I'm pretty sure it had a spook trapped in some part of the logo as well. Um, and all, and and it was actually a continuation of the original. The Ghostbusters series. Um, complete with Talking Complete Ape. with Talking Ape. And I think it was the sons of the original characters or something. Because um, that always goes well. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. And it was, a, from what I can gather, it was pretty terrible. Um, but it but, also was out during the popular yeah, like, it was out of Ghostbusters, the motion picture. It was out before the movie spin-off cartoon. So people got very confused. Yeah. Uh, casual television watchers even not really looking at it for more than 10 seconds to think oh this is a different concept entirely even went so far as to some of them registering complaints they're making complaint letters that the gorilla character was a stand-in for one of the cast members of the movie yeah, which goes to show either they were looking for things to complain about or they have something about themselves they needed to sit down and think about Yeah, because good god the thing they were accusing them of was pretty horrific. Yeah. Um, luckily, the real Ghostbusters came along to be the real Ghostbusters. Oh, and it was marvellous. This is where Ghostbusters kind of became a cultural touchstone. Because for, the, for, the movie, the movie was, yeah. was... The movie wasn't a huge success 
at first it was like it was a couple of weeks in wasn't it? it was when people started to really get into it i mean it was it was always a cult classic but for the people who were kids at the time what really captured everyone was the show and the tie-in toy line and, <laughs> and oh, what a tie-in toy line what a tie-in toy line i used to have a big chunk of it you um, had you had many you had the firehouse yeah ecto one uh, yeah did you have ecto two was XO2 a helicopter? Yeah, I a helicopter. I yes. Yeah. I, I was I, trying I to had, remember that yesterday, I had, actually. I had, I had sort of cast off versions of them because I, I never could afford the proper toys. So I had to get them like secondhand or whatever, so I always had bits missing. And stuff that's, like that's basically me and my Ninja um, Turtles yeah, toys in my, so in my childhood. Um, <laughs> some of the stuff I had, like the firehouse I had out of the box, and the, um, a lot of the go. I had a full set of the Ghostbusters, but that they were all Ghostbusters the, with different gimmicks. There's like a foot platform on the hose as well. It's sort of like a thing that yeah, yeah, around. Yeah, it goes around, it goes down. There's a grate in the ceiling, you put slime in the ceiling and it's nice. Oh, you had the Ghostbusters with gimmicks, like the ones that made scared faces like you squeeze the legs and yeah their faces so i kind of had i never really got a full set it was it took me a while to get a full set of them all with like with regular proton packs yeah um they're all like weird accessories yeah or, yeah or fright something but i did eventually have a full set of them with the with, with the proton packs um, i had a weird yellow vw bug that turned into like some kind of mantis thing uh like a, a haunted toilet a haunted toilet of course. Um, all sorts well, of weird, the, creepy well, this, ghost toys. This is similar to Ninja Turtles in the sense that some of the toys were completely original, like yeah, monsters yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. And, and some of them were based on the cartoon. Some of them were like based on the. Well, films. There was a Slimer, and there was and, a Stay yeah. Puft Marshmallow Man, and and uh, I don't think there was any Gozer or anything like that. But there were, yeah, there was, I had a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I had a big Slimer. Um, there was any other? Did you have the Proton Pack, the the dark blue one with yeah. the yellow cable? Yeah, Did yeah. you by any chance lose that? Because there's a bit of a weird history here for you and me. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I was... I, don't know if I, I definitely had the Proton Pack because I sold it. Oh, okay. So in later years, I asked you, okay. It's quite possible you may have left it at your friend's house a couple of times when you were younger. That's, well... Because I remember being about four, five, and being at my cousin's house and uh, playing Ghostbusters. Like, they had a bunch of Ghostbusters gear as well. I think they had Ecto-1 and, and, and the I, trap and stuff. Which I had, had, had an inflatable pedal. You yeah, stamp on it that. and it, it, it opened the... I broke the doors, though. The doors. Oh, right. I just remember they always, they always tended to have enough room for us to all play. Um, but sometimes they wouldn't. Uh, sometimes they might be packed down. So, years later... <laughs> I don't know. If... Years later, I... we meet. I don't and, know if that's... It, did, it might though. not be. It, it may just be my memory playing tricks on me. Yeah. But I, I remember them being an abundance of Ghostbusters merch. I mean, I don't remember anything that far back anyway because I my brain is an adult mess. But hang on, you're the smart one. Yeah, I, no, don't I, go dying on me now. I, I'm smart. I don't have a good memory. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'll take that. I mean, I, ask, ask me what issue each Spider-Man villain debuted. If, I, I, I could probably tell you the answer. I'm ask just, me what I need to do tomorrow. I will forget. I've pushed a lot of the pain, Chris. <laughs> So, you know. so years later we meet in college um, and we get chatting and a couple yeah, of years after yeah, yeah. that like a couple of years after that I think we get talking about growing up in, in we both grew up in a place called Swinton in Manchester around there Swinton and Clifton and we're chatting away yeah. and I suddenly find out that you, you knew my cousins I'm yeah. like oh wow yeah. I used to play with them and we're talking about stuff and you started dropping it yeah I play like Transformers and Ghostbusters yeah, and I'm like yeah. wait a cotton picking minute and I have to I would be surprised if at least once we didn't meet each other during a play session. Or I don't think we did because I don't remember anyone and any else annoying being little prick <laughs> being no, part of the group. I don't, I don't remember anyone else being there. You know, I just remember the two of them. Oh, we may not have played, but 
who knows? You guys may have a plane. But I, I, mean, I might have been brought along as a family I visit. I didn't get to go around very often. <laughs> my parents didn't let me go over to my friends' houses very often when I was little because they all lived across the road. <laughs> and they wouldn't let me go across the road because it was a road. Yeah. And it was oh, dangerous. Well, n- knowing which road it is, it was a pretty dangerous road. Yeah, so I, I didn't get to go that often. So um, probably not. But, yeah. I just think that's really odd that technically our earliest connection is stuff like Ghostbusters. I think it's serendipity. It's fucking weird is what it is. Um, um, so, but, but, that, yeah. but these are all toys that span out of real, oh, the Ghostbusters. real Ghostbusters TV show. Um, some, which... some of that one up, big boy, because I only know... Um, I only know Real Ghostbusters from a couple of the VHS tapes. I haven't been able to watch much of it recently because I haven't got hold of it, and it's it's not streaming anywhere. So you well, have to buy it. And you it's can expensive. buy it digitally on Amazon Prime uh, on Amazon Instant Video. Yeah, yeah. But because of the release of the new movie, the box sets Ain't cheap. have shot up to like twenty quid each. Just Ain't two, cheap, two boy. box sets. So it's forty pounds um, if you want to watch it. And also, you don't want all of it because it got bad. <laughs> after I mean. We'll we'll touch on it here, but we'll go into deep deep. We'll we'll, we'll look into it, and, and we want. I think we need to talk about <clears throat> the TV show and yeah. Extreme Ghostbusters and the Italian comics and yeah. stuff like that. We'll, I think we'll touch on it here, but I think we should dedicate yeah. an episode to that. We'll, we'll talk about it more later um, because because of the new movie bringing back kind of uh, notice to the franchise. There may be newcomers to the franchise and to Ghostbusters in general who who would like to know what else there is. So one day we'll go into all the stuff that you can explore that you may never even have and, thought And of. I think some of that stuff is well worth taking a dive on because certainly the earlier real Ghostbusters stuff had J. Michael Straczynski as the story editor. Who is like, um, what, Babylon 5? Yeah, he created Babylon 5. Best run of Thor in recent years. I would say best run of Thor, but certainly a very good one. Uh, certainly <laughs> certainly revitalised Thor for the 21st century. Who's your um, favourite? Kieran Gillen? Uh, probably Jason Aaron. Oh, okay. Uh, Kieran Gillen did some good stuff, but he was kind of just in a holding pattern until... Um, <laughs> just glad he didn't say Matt Fraction. And, um, uh, until so... Matt Fraction came along and then Jason Aaron. Uh, but then Kieran Gillen would do his best, better work on Junior's Mystery Book. That's a discussion for another time. Um, <laughs> but so, so basically you had some very top writing talent working on this album. Yeah, series. and it was... it was Some damn good voiceover those talent early as well. Episodes, the yeah, too. yeah. You had, um, Maurice LaMarche and uh, Lorenzo the, Music. The mighty uh, Frank Welker. Oh, Frank Welker. As both just, Ray and Slimer. Yeah. Uh, who, got, he, who, who, got his, who got his name mentioned out loud finally? Yes, yeah. Slime was named in the cartoon um, and was kept around as sort of a because the 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 cartoon doesn't take place in the movie universe, but the cartoon actually picks up directly from the end of the movie. So, so if, you, if you want to think that they're in the same place, you could get away with it. Yeah, yeah. it explains why Slimer is for some reason, free in Ghostbusters 2 as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's hanging around the fire station during a montage, and then he's driving a bus later during the chaos. Yeah, they sort of... Egon keeps him around as sort of a, a willing test subject, and Ray yeah. keeps him around as a pet, and Fakeman is not Hates happy about any of that. Um, and Winston's indifferent. <laughs> and Winston, yeah, Winston... Winston, if there's a steady paycheck in it, he'll believe anything he doesn't you want. care. <laughs> uh, um... True to character. But True then, to character. After the after the show was really successful, <laughs> then the studio, the network who were producing it, then brought some consultants in to fix the show that didn't need fixing. Much it was the highest was, rated Saturday morning cartoon show it on was television. was doing really well, and they were like, "We, you know what? We need to save the show. I don't know what they need to save it from, but it they the changes they wanted to make ended up upsetting J. Michael to the point where he just left the show." And the show sort of descended down with it, brought Slimer into more focus. It became he, Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, he got his own little Slimer show segment as part of the program, which was like a little slapstick separate show. 
in uh, the Slimer game. Adventures. Um, they they took they made Aiden, they made Janine, who was actually not a many much of a stereotype female character in the original version of the cartoon. They made her more stereotypical. They made Winston the driver. Oh. They made the only black character in the show the driver. They wanted to write out. They got rid of the antagonism between Peter and Slimer. They wanted to write Ray out of the show because now, it, now there's no antagonism between Peter and Slimer. I mean, good and, luck with them for that yeah. one. Like they, 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 I think they never got beyond that as an idea, did they? But like, imagine if yeah, they take that. Was... that imagine if they take that to because I, I believe Reitman still had sort of final say on stuff. If, if uh, it, well, you... when it came to when it came to like big changes, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but, um... Uh, a contract which still sort of roughly stands still today, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, he's very involved. So, like, if they'd have come to him and said, "Right, so we want to get rid of Dan's character," it would have been like, oh, "Um, man. no." <laughs> How dare you? I want to get rid of the character played by one of the people who wrote the film that this is based on. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good luck with that. Um, so it it, it doesn't. The, the, a lot of the voice cast changed, like the Renzo music went out, and the, then they just got somebody doing a Bill Murray impression. Uh, it was a da- just, Dave Courier. Dave Courier. Um, um, just not good, man. Yeah. Maurice LaMarche stuck on. Maurice LaMarche is actually the only voice actor who went the whole way through because he. He portrayed Egon in the next incarnation. He was in the Extreme Ghostbusters as well, yeah. And uh, brilliant, just brilliant. One episode, I do, one episode I do remember, like vaguely, is the, the one about the Boogeyman. Yeah, because. Uh, it, because it turns out yeah. to be the reason Egon gets into parasi- parapsychology and the paranormal in general, because he was haunted by the Boogeyman as a child, mm-hmm. and it, it fueled his passion to know more about it. Yeah, to the point where in the episode they confront the Boogeyman and stuff and like, and he freezes up, like he can't he can't fight it because it's it's like muscle memory to him. It's his childhood fear, and it's such an interesting idea, like taking the character of Egon, who we don't really go on any emotional journey with in either of the films. I mean, we don't really go on an emotional journey with any of the characters in the films. Yeah, true, uh, true. Because more, they're, it's not really about We get hints that. of it with Venkman and Dana in the second yeah, one, but yeah. even then, it's stuff that happened between films that we don't see. Yeah. So, you know, uh, they obviously play with what they wanted to play with, but, but it's cool that the cartoon could do that and, and, and fiddle around with the formula. It got rid of Winston's moustache, which freaked me out, <laughs> to the point where when they get rid of it in the second movie, I'm like, that's not that's, Winston. That's strange. I mean, it is Winston, but where's his moustache? Where's his cool little tag? I imagine they only did it solely because it was easy to animate. Yeah, quite um, <laughs> Well, they all look different as well, but they all have a very stylized look. Yeah, and that's gets partly... a weird heroic profile. I always find that strange when they take when they take lead characters who aren't sort of straight up handsome guys in the animated versions and make them handsome. Mm. Godzilla the animated series takes Matthew Broderick's Nick Tatopoulos and turns him into Nick Tatopoulos! Oh, the worm guy! The yeah. worm guy! The guy's nickname is the worm guy. They turn him into like sort of sexy action man in the TV show. It's like, what is oh, this? It's really weird, what isn't it? What is this? Otherwise, and, that show's actually pretty good. It's not bad, is it? It was part of that boom in sort of the late 2000s of movie tie-in shows that kind of work. Yeah, well, um, like Extreme Ghost was just part of that and then... Um, uh, Men in Black. Men in Black was really good. Uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, so, so real good, like, Peter's sort of kind of heroic, Ray's sort of pudgy comic relief sort of yeah. look to him, like, Winston just, again, the everyman. Winston looks yeah. like a normal guy who just happens to be with the group. Oh, okay, because they... the other three sort of have, like, weird sort of designs, like, Egon's got that, that co- wonderful ice cream cone quiff. Wonderful hair. And a bit of a mullet at the back. So good. It's and the red so glasses, good. and they've all got their own suits, and Winston just looks like a normal dude. <laughs> It's like walking around. Although occasionally, due to animation errors, he was white. Really? Yeah. Oh. Because <laughs> that animation was real cheap. Yeah, we're we're doing we're doing an episode of the Real uh, Ghostbusters at some point. This is too fascinating. Uh, so the Real Ghostbusters keeps the popularity of the brand going to the point where the studio actually get a little impatient, and say to Ivan Reitman, "Look, are you going to make a follow up? 
because again he had final say on if it happened he, I... he had he had first choice of director for the franchise and stuff and he and Ray he and Ray he and Delacroix <laughs> had a chat and they sort of went about three years after the original they were like okay I mean yeah I guess there's another story we could tell so they bashed the idea around a bit five years after the first movie we get the same story the same story <laughs> we get the first movie again <laughs> Which, but, actually, I don't mind at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, as, as we um, said at the start, we're, we seem to be an anomaly on the internet. I we really, really we like Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> I mean, it's not as good as the first movie, hands down. No. Um, but, but it's not pretty damn good. It's, it hits similar beats. I like it a lot. Structurally. I like it a lot. But you get the development of the psychology, the, the, the psychology, the parapsychology and the paranormal elements. Because in the first movie, it's like, right, we've got ghosts. We also have a, a, a demonic demigod entity coming through to our world. Uh, some ghosts look like people, some of them look like monsters. Like, so there's different kinds of ghosts. And they never say, like, these are brawlers, these, yeah, are, yeah. these are spooks, these are, you know, slimers. Like, it's they just. five floating vapor. Yeah, it's a full torso apparition. <laughs> it's, it's things like that. So you can totally buy that, okay, ghosts come in different shapes and sizes. The TV show obviously plays on that a lot. You get, like, goblin things, yeah, you, get, like, ca- you get Cthulhu in one of them. Yeah. Like, you, you get a lot of really interesting designs. So the second movie goes, okay, we're going to play on that. The villain in question here is a river of psychically enhanced slime. A river of slime! That feeds off of negativity. It doesn't have a personality, but it can be harnessed. Yeah. And in this case, it's harnessed by the spirit of a Carpathian warlord, Vigo. He is Vigo! (laughs) You are like the buzzing of flies to him! The scourge of Moldavia. (laughs) Commands the, you. Oh, scourge. command me, Lord! Who is the scourge of Carpathia? The, the sorrow, sorrow of Moldavia. Yes, the sorrow. I have heard this. <laughs> so good! It's wife so good. To you, is it wife to you and mother to me? It's so very, very good. It's to where are you from, anyway? The Upper West Side? <laughs> so just... Peter Nichol is glorious. He's brilliant in that movie. Yanosh, all the scenery. Yanosh is a big reason as to why I like that movie, too. Because oh, here's the thing. Man. We sort of get enough of a glimpse into what's going on with him and Vigo to yeah. get the gist of their plan and the villain's plot. But we leave them alone enough so that when they arrive in the film, you go, oh, it's this again. Especially mm-hmm. him. Like, it's a joy to see him. Yeah. It's just so infectiously creepy. And his, his performance is spot on. It's and brilliant. he's just... <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And it, and it's... He's very good at playing unhinged characters. Yeah. Yeah, like the, yeah. the, the from the subtly unhinged, like the uh, the the scout leader in Adam's Family Values. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? To a yeah. man, to a man on the brink of a midlife crisis and a breakdown in Bean, the ultimate disaster movie. He's great in that film. He's my favorite thing about that movie. Ron Atkinson obviously is the highlight of the film, but like Peter McNichol, he's just the way he, he's so good in Bean. Um, and then like most recently, he's the Mad Hatter in the Arkham games. Yeah, yeah, he's and brilliant. He's so good. He's really, really disturbing. Mm. Um. But as as Janosch, he's just... he's this great balance between creepy and funny, and he just he hits the nail on the head, and it, uh... it means that we get more time with Dana as well. Yeah, who we haven't talked about from the first movie. And, yeah, and... let's touch on Dana Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver, I love soaring Sigourney high Weaver. from the success of Alien and subsequent films. By the time Ghostbusters rolls around, still two years away from Aliens. So Ghostbusters is almost the beginning of her rise, I yeah. think, because like Alien, well... amazing, but it'd been five years, and then Ghostbusters. Yeah. And then Aliens. She's such and a... then Ghostbusters 2. And I then mean... Alien 3. Like At this point, she is now hitting leading lady or ensemble cast of stars status. She's on the poster for Ghostbusters. But I think she was always more of a theatre 
performer anyway, but she's got this sort of, I mean, she's tall and she's lean and she's strong and she's not like busty or she's not got like a big curvy butt, but she's, she's got this sort of feminine strength to her where she's not, she's not the kind of, uh, it's safe to say it. Sigourney Weaver is an incredibly beautiful, sexy presence because of just yeah, who but she is. It's the way she, like, ca- yeah, the way yeah, she carries herself. She's, it's the elegance of her performance. She's never overly sexualized in yeah. her roles, but she's just very, She's got a steel to her, yeah. That's wonderful, and and but then she's you, magnetic, yeah. And when you you see her playing, you see her an alien. She gets to show it off because she's like, ah. But in a Ghostbusters movie, she's playing a much more average woman. You know, she's a, she's a musician. She's artistic. She's she's, she's a little she's, she's a little bit she's a little bit pompous, a little like, bit, just a yeah. Little bit, but, but she's also but her heart's in the right place. She's not a dick. She's, she's savvy enough to get Venkman's act, but then she's yeah. also she, she's won over by the, the she's won over by the yeah. charm that's there. Yeah, but she's tough enough to time to freaking knock it off yeah. when he's going too far. And clearly, it didn't work out between them. Probably because again, she was, she was a bit too savvy. But then she well, ended up but, marrying someone who didn't work out. Yeah, so. they sum it up in number two. They say that basically, like, he got a little too... Um, it's like he, it's almost like he got bored. Yeah. And that put her off. And it's not that he was bored. He just, it's the blasé nature of how he is. It's yeah. the cockiness. But she was like, I needed more than that. So she leaves. And ends up in a relationship. And has a child between the movies. The relationship doesn't work out. She's now a single mother looking after Oscar. You're named after a hot dog. You poor man. <laughs> you poor, poor man. I'm just going to put him down. May I? Sure. <laughs> You're smelly. <laughs> You're terrible bored on your poor mother. It's just... Oh, oh, no, it's, 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 oh, it's, it's, oh God. He, he, he says three things. Yeah, You're short. short. You're stinky. You're, You're a terrible, terrible bird on your mother. poor mother. Um, oh, that baby, well, the babies that play yeah, Oscar, the they're so cute. They get the best reactions. They're all, there's only one moment in the movie you think they've dubbed the sound there. The rest of the time, it seems to be reactions on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, very good. Murray's really good with kids. I know yeah. that's weird to say, but the first scene where like he's like sort of meant to be getting the stool sample, which he then obviously just waits for someone to show up. In this case, Dana, and then makes them do it. Like he, he's just he's so gentle with the kid. Mm. And the scenes with the three of them in Ghostbusters two are some of my favourite scenes. Yeah, it, they just they slot. The, the, the second film starts to the second into, film yeah. starts to humanise Venkman. And because you see, yeah, his, you can yeah, see yeah. the cracks in him in the second one. You see the cracks in him. He reminds everyone. Like, there's a wonderful scene at the very start of the movie where, the, so the movie starts with um, it's Dana. She's walking through the streets with Oscar, and then the pram, the pram rolls through some slime, and then she's talking to a doorman before she goes back up to her apartment, and then the pram rolls off and it goes on this thing through the, the streets of New York. And it nearly gets run over, and it, and it stops. And she finds like, oh god, oh god, what happened? So then she goes to Egon for help. Yeah. And there's this wonderful scene with Egon just doing his research in his lab and he's talking to Dana and then he's doing his side stuff, side side stuff, and then he just And then do you just see this little bit of warmth in him? Yeah. That it's like you'd never really see in the in the other movie. Because like, is, he's, Oh, Egon's a human being and they, they have Egon, to have a relationship. Egon's never it? cold. No, but he's not But he is he is sort of like he he's like um like you know, they say people are like, Oh, they were cold. You sort of think like a morgue table. Egon's yeah. like sort of the table with the tools on it and the dentists. Like it's yeah. all there for a good reason, and it's not particularly morbid kind of table, um, but it's just, <laughs> it's, there's a wonderful moment in one of the episodes of the cartoon where uh, this is a Maurice Lash wonder where, they, where they're, at, they're at a party and he, and he goes just as goes, I want you to know I'm having an amazing time. 
And he means it completely. He's like, it's completely sincere, but it's just that's as excited as Egon ever gets. I love that. Like, and it's, this is also the moment in the first movie where it's like, I'm, uh, we mentioned before, I'm sorry, but I'm, t- I'm terrified. Terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought. thought. And it just, just sounds like he's basically saying, could you pass me that screwdriver? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just completely on my level. But there's that lovely little scene at the beginning. It just... And it just, it goes to show, I mean, one of the reasons why these, both these movies are so great is because those actors embody those characters perfectly. Yeah. You, you, and they, but they are performances, like, no one's really playing themselves. No. Bill Murray, to an extent, does have that kind of sardonic disaffection in real life. But, Dan Aykroyd does have a passion for these things. But he's but, Ray, he's not but, as but Ray, as Ray. But Ray's like, Ray's a vessel. Like, yeah. Ray, Ray yeah. is a, uh, an excuse for him to sort of, like... I say pretend this is real. Dan Aykroyd believes in this stuff, but this is a chance for him to be like, "Oh, yeah. this is real, and we're going to do a story where it's definitely real." And and you know, his enthusiasm fuels Ray's enthusiasm. But Ray's not Dan Aykroyd, and Venkman is close to Murray, yeah. but he's still a character. And, and Egon is is definitely a character, and and, and Winston's definitely a character. And and good lord, but that that first good scene lord. With, with, where you bring. Um, Egon and Dana back together, and it's just—it's so sweet. The characters he, are so. But even there. then, the scientific sort of barrier pops up. The moment she leaves, they introduce that kid in the, in the moon experiment to the doll. Let's see goes, what happens if you take, take away, away the doll. doll. <laughs> so good. So yeah, because she kisses him on the cheek, and he, she goes, and he has that moment of like he just kind of he, he has that really lovely smile yeah. where you see him sort of go, "I'm doing a good thing." Yeah, I'm doing I, a good thing. I'm being normal. Person. I hope she's okay. It was no, nice to see it. There's so much on his face, and then it's like, "Let's get rid of that puppy and make that kid." Miserable. And it's just and people <laughs> people complain that the that Ghostbusters two is too much the same movie as as Ghostbusters, and that they um, the characters haven't developed anymore. And I'm like, well, that. Because I wanted to see more. There is more of them. And that's what I wanted. Two feels, exactly what Ghostbusters I wanted. 2 feels like the sort of story you would tell if there'd been another one in between. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It does feel, because um, they've got the whole thing of, at the beginning of Ghostbusters 2. They only own the license now. They, yeah. don't, own, they don't even own the right to use their equipment Nobody's, anymore. Nope. There's no... Because the fees they had to pay to the city and various other places after the events of the first movie. Yeah, then, and then they get sort of... blanked by the mayor and they get mentioned they get stiffed out of the... the they got, got sued for a bunch of damages. And they... I mean, they imply they imply that they have done they did a few other things. Yeah. Which could be a nod to the cartoon. Yeah. It could be like, oh, they've had other adventures. But they basically say that the events of the first movie, oh, the big victory at the end of that movie, led to their eventual downfall within the next five years. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like the, the, the begin- sort of... at the beginning, the the the, the birthday party thing, uh, which is sort of really lovingly homaged in. Um, have you, did you see the the fourth Turtles movie, the animated one, TMNT? Uh, no, I'm not. No, Mikey's doing birthday parties. Really? He basically, you see this Ninja Turtle like character at a birthday party, and then he leaves the party and he gets in the van. He takes the head off, and it's just Mikey with a head on. <laughs> It's just really nice because <laughs> in that it's not like a getting the band back together thing. Like so much yeah. happened between the third and the fourth one, and they've parted ways. And, and but in Ghostbusters, it is genuinely sad. It is really sad to think that wow, like they so all much. the goodwill and, then, and all the work. Yeah, and now they're just sort of like everyone kind of thinks a bit of a novelty. Again. So it doesn't. It seems like there's not much ghostly activity going on. But that seems to be a trope um, of. I think the reason why it feels a bit sad to some people as well, like this film, is because it sort of becomes obvious that's a trope of Ackroyd storytelling. Ackroyd yeah. has a good story in it, and then the second story is about the people in the first story becoming because successful did, again. He did exactly the same thing with the Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, too, oh, um, well. <laughs> Well, I mean, people have a problem with Ghostbusters 2. 
I'm sorry, Blues Brothers 2000 is a whole other kettle of shit. <laughs> it's a dreadful <laughs> movie. Put that on the poster. Ghostbusters... It's a whole other kettle of shit. Ghostbusters 2 commits no crimes at all in comparison to Blues Brothers 2000. No, I like Ghostbusters 2. In... But, but you can see you can yeah. see why people don't like it. But... I, I get why people don't like it, but the problems that people don't have with it, i.e. that it's more of the same and the characters aren't developed... But you, get more, on their Ghostbusters but you get more of Janine and Lewis. Exactly what I want. That's a bit weird, though. That is the weird. The Janine and Lewis thing is a bit weird. It is weird. It almost feels like it's there because they wanted those two in the film again. Yeah. And they were like, like, well, this mm. is the plot. But the problem is, Annie Potts and Rick Moranis are having so much fun with it that it's still enjoyable. Yeah. It feels odd and out it, of place. It feels, like, it feels a bit weird. But it feels but, a bit weird for Janine. Yeah, but then but, again... They do set up in the first one. Janine's got a thing for nerdy guys. Yeah, she's, she's and she's a bit. She's like a bit of a kitten. Who's more like no, geeky no one and is, nerdy no than Egon? It's Lewis Tully. No, it's just. It seems like the and I like the idea that oh, he's man, he's an accountant, but he also deals in in law, and to the point where he's the only person they could get to represent them at the. There. At the trial, which again is a phenomenal set piece. The trial the is amazing. amazing, and it's just. We should mention Rick Moranis again from the first from the first movie as yeah. well. That he just has a wonderful physicality <laughs> nice to his performance. He's so he's he's just so all of the possession scenes with him and Sigourney Weaver like they they play that as well as they play the stuff pre possession. Yeah. They're clearly having fun playing both sides of the role, and he's just so brittle and oh. uh, and and timid. And this, I mean, in number two with the equipment on, the way he just sort of like waddles out of the front moves. of the station. He's got his, his hair moves moves on. On. And his hair's slicked down even more, <laughs> almost he, like he's preparing for... And then he goes to take the bus. Oh, he God. goes to get the bus. To Make good decisions. Just queues up. Just queues up for the bus. <laughs> to get to... Oh, my God. But this God. is a wonderful moment. It's actually... It's in the credits of Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> when... They've got you know they've got the credits rolling in. They've got little character uh, moments, but there's a wonderful like a couple from during the film. A couple clearly sort of like extra bits. <laughs> well, he's a, it's a wonderful bit of physical comedy where he comes out of the firehouse, <gasps> and he goes to go back in, goes to open the little door, ends up opening the big door, but the little door opens inward. So he goes inside, comes back out, closes the big. It's oh, just go and look it up on YouTube. It's a wonderful little bit of physical comedy, and there's, <laughs> there's loads of little moments like that that Rick Moranis does. It makes me kind of sad that Rick Moranis isn't. Uh, acting anymore, acting yeah. Because, um, good lord. He says he will. He's so good. He has said he will. Because obviously when, when the new movie went to production, it's like someone managed to get hold of him and interview him. Like, yeah. I guess it was a local radio station or something. They were like, oh, you know, we know a guy who knows him. Well, let's ask him. And they basically said, like, would you be, have they approached you for a cameo? And he says, uh, yeah, they've, they've approached me. I'm just, I'm not interested. Yeah, he's waiting for the right script to come along before he yeah. gets another acting Which, which could be seen as really picky, but at the same time, he's been out of the game so long. Because he did legitimately retire at one point. Yeah, yeah. Um, due to the passing of his wife. Like, it was really unfortunate. He retired to basically be dad and be family. Like, be family man and stay the family and look after everybody. So he left acting for a completely understandable reason. Yeah. Um, but obviously in recent years, he's maybe gone, do you know what, I miss it, I would do it again. And he's just been offered stuff that isn't great. And he's like, if I'm going to do it again, the thing I'd do it for has mm. got to be like a, guys, Rick Moranis is back. Like, he, mic drop kind of moment. Or maybe, is, maybe he doesn't want to do that. Maybe maybe he just wants to do something that he thinks is worth his time rather than it being yeah. a big temple thing. But I think... Rick, oh, no, no, but when I say Rick Moranis is back, I mean just a part, just a part that like he can really sink his teeth into. So yeah, in a way where you yeah, go yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. In a way where you go like, that thing was brilliant. i tell you what was really good. Rick Moranis playing that guy. He was so good in that. It was so Rick nice Manish to is, see him again. Rick Moranis is brilliant. He's 
He is a brilliant. talented mother. He's been in some so bad good. stuff. Like, Cunning, well, I Blew Up the Kid is not a great movie. No, but, but come on, like, the amount of good things he's been in. And what, yeah. what, what's the, um, what's the, this is something we haven't seen enough of in the UK, actually. What's the Canadian double act he's part of? I have no idea. Oh, God, what they call it's going to really bother me. But he, he's, he's part of, like, they did sketches and then they did films and stuff. I'm, there's some Canadian comedy worth looking at. We'll have to look that up. But he's, um, he's fantastic. And he's so good in Ghostbusters too. Uh, Vigo. Like, played by, like, a Hungarian wrestler. Voiced, voiced by, by Max von Sydow. Oh, it's so good! It's just such a good touch. Like, he's proper spooky. Like, that painting is creepy as hell. Yeah, I've, I've always said... Great villain. I've always said, if I get more money than sense, like, if I suddenly win the lottery and get, like, £30 million, pounds, I'm, like, spending, a ho- like, 300 grand on a, on a house or something. I'm just going, I'm going to live in that now. I'm going to probably have a couple of parties to celebrate at the beginning of it all, mm-hmm. and then the rest is all going away. But the one sort of daft luxury item I would allow myself would be a life-size Vigo painting. So good. <laughs> because, imagine having that like, just like at the top of your stairs, or like your basement or something, and just someone finding it and going, oh! <laughs> on a mountain of skulls, in a castle of pain, I sit on a throne of blood. <laughs> So good, just like it's so oh over the top, and um, it's just he's he's he's, he's freaky uh, to look at, and the ghosts that come in his wake as well. The Scaleri brothers, legitimately, they are my wonderful. They like, are my earliest nightmare design, yeah. that I remember having. I they're remember really, having a nightmare about them. them. I've heard criticisms that they're too cartoony. I'm like, look at the ghost designs in the first movie. Yeah, come like, on. But there are very few <laughs> ghosts that look like people in these films directly. Like they either look like warped form, warped visions of the human form, or yeah. monsters. And Skylighters are a good way to split the difference because they're clearly people, but they're demonic. It's oh, almost yeah. like it's almost like the more evil you were in life, the freakier you are in death. Which says a lot about Slimer, I guess. Yeah, Maybe well, he was just well, we don't, well, I think Slimer. I, the, the notes for him again originally. I think he was a dude who died gorging himself in the hotel. Well, like the he, cast... he, he saw, I think I think he died on room, like he died on room service. And he kept ordering it, and he choked himself to death and died and that's why he holds the Sedgwick because well, he's just a fat dude wandering around looking for room service they've said um, in <laughs> like behind the scenes stuff that uh, certainly Ivan Reitman and I uh, thought of him as, yeah. as the ghost of John Belushi yes because um, John did enjoy he, uh, he buffet, lived a hedonistic life uh, well um, yeah that's put, my version was putting it very lightly <laughs> yours is putting it much closer to the truth yes we won't elaborate any further. No, just go and look up John Belushi you'll be yeah but, but but that's quite a nice I like the fact that they sort of said Slimer is the ghost of John Belushi yeah. but like, but the character the, the character of the onion head and peanut you know like it apparently was somebody who died in the hotel gorging themselves yeah, yeah. Um, hence why he's just wandering around eating stuff so uh, which makes complete utter sense um, the Scalari brothers evil men both given the chair both out for the revenge on the judge that sentenced them quite possibly unfairly the Scalari brothers <laughs> Try to murder! Give him the chair! Like they are quite so possibly good. horrific murderers, or they wrongfully accused murderers. I don't know. Um, they look pretty. They look pretty murderous to me. Because I mean, they gave me nightmares. Lucy told me the, the last night while we were watching the movie. Um, like she has a terror of red eyes. Red oh, eyes yeah, freak yeah. her out. They, and there's some serious red and eyes. A, well, in there, apparently yeah. the thing that did it was the Terminator. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah. And the Scaleri brothers. I don't think their eyes like red, red, but they've got the glowing, yeah, like, fiery yeah. gaze. Just freaky looking dudes. Baleful eyes. And then this beautiful cross of, of um, people in suits and stop motion figurines. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. So you get this nice movement that, that is tailored to the shot that it, it's in. Like Those faces, that skeletal face, the thin one. And then the, 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 the Violet from Ghostbusters 2-esque design yeah. of the bigger one. And, 
Uh, and you've got the you've got the coat made of um, of is it mink ferrets or whatever? Like, yeah, love that moment later on when you get another montage of, of go. You get one in the first one, you get one in the second one. Ghostly stuff happening all around New York. Mink coming alive. Oh, they love the montages. They do. Well, they love their songs that are clearly talking about the um, the plot of the film. Ghostbusters. Yes, we're back. I I I I I. I'm not bringing it home. Yeah. So the DMC run DMC version. That's Bobby Brown, I think. That's Bobby Brown. Because Bobby Brown is in Ghost. He's the doorman who asks for a yes, proton pack. Yes, for his kid for his brother. Kid, for his, uh, I think his nephew. Is, and yeah. again, Eagle's one of sort of lovers like that. No. <laughs> like, proton pack is not a toy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he's probably right. The scene with the mayor, like we see Vinny again, you get that brilliant movie. Says like we're happy to report that over fifty percent of us voted for you in the voted for you in the last mayoral no, election. Nearly fifty percent of us. Nearly, voted. nearly 50% <laughs> which is of like, us. which is like well. What does what that, does that even mean? Because there's that four mean? of you. That... <laughs> but, even if, just... if you, but even if you count Janine, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what does that mean? Uh... Um, oh god, there's just <laughs> stuff like that is brilliant. And um, once, of... ag- once again, they fight their truly their greatest enemy, which they face across both movies, which is eighties authority dicks. Yeah, they get they get committed by someone who wants to to stop them from going to the press to Because we forgot to mention mayor. William Atherton in the first one. The oh, fantastic oh, so good. Walter Peck. He's so good. And here's the thing with that, is that as a kid I don't think any kid really appreciates how good that performance is. Yeah. yeah. Or or even remembers that role really. I think as a kid I I just I'd always forget Peck. I remember Bill Murray being sarcastic to someone. But I don't really think about Peck. The older I get, the more I'm like, he's one of the best parts of that first movie. He's not in it very much, because but he's, he's brilliant. Such, because he's such a brilliant excuse yeah. for Venkman to show off just how much of a dick he can be. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, they're both... None of, <laughs> neither of them are good people. No. But they really bounce each other off each other in nasty ways, and it's great. It's a great What is see. the magic word, Dr. Venkman? Please... Sorry, was that Christopher Walken? <laughs> Please. Please. Wow, he slammed me. I feel funky. <laughs> I feel... Back off, man. I'm, I'm a scientist. A scientist. Um, but yeah. Any excuse to whip him Sick out. Him um, <laughs> listen, do you smell that? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God! It's so good! Just thinking about it makes me laugh. Oh... So, but, but William Atherton's Peck's great, and it is it is um, almost a loss that he's not in the second one. I can't remember the actor's name, but we get the guy who, again, sort of tends to play dicks. Yeah, um, yeah. And he does a good job, and his character's fine, but it almost feels a bit like a Peck avatar. He's one of the elements that I think is why people sort of go, it's the same story. Yeah. Um, and there is one other thing that is kind of an obvious copy-paste in a way. The first one ends with a giant figure, the Staple of Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. So the second one ends with an animated... Statue of Liberty walking through New York City. They, so there's the slime <laughs> river that's running under New York in this movie is psychomagnetic, which means that it, it absorbs emotions and it can become either positively or negatively charged. So they cover the inside the of the statue of Liberty. Is every New Yorker's God-given right. <laughs> and here they are fueling this hate slime. So yeah. they take, so they take the, they take the nice slime, the happy slime yeah. that they have been, which, it, which they have been coaxing, teasing, and as you realised last night for the first time, sleeping with. Yeah, there's a wonderful moment where they, go, where Egon br- tries to brush aside the fact that he's been sleeping with the slime, sleeping with the slime as part of his experiments. Because uh, I found this fascinating because I, I noticed that like nearly every time. 
Like, obviously being older as a kid, yeah. right, right on my head. But you mentioned that, I think, did you say that last night was the first time you watched, like, a DVD, like, a home release version of it in a while? No, I, no, because I, I, I've seen, I've seen it, I saw it about three weeks ago, which was the first time I noticed that there's that, that I've always, I've always remembered the line, it was like, Benman's like, you're not sleeping, sleeping with, with it, are you, Ray? And then Ray looks at Egon, and Egon looks guilty. But what I hadn't noticed till the, when I watched it couple of weeks back and then again last night quite possibly due to a couple of little TV yeah this might have been a TV edit but yeah. after is, is there <laughs> is then Venkman and, and Winston's reaction and Winston then saying it's always the quiet ones <laughs> and I was like oh man because I, I think before before I watched it a couple of weeks back I haven't seen Ghostbusters 2 like since before I lived in London so for like seven or eight years oh blimey um, at least that, we need to fix that I have at, at, least, least, I have at least I have at least two screenings of both movies twice a oh, year man. well I watch Ghostbusters <laughs> pretty regularly I don't even own it I just find ways to watch it pretty regularly because um, it's just on I think I've got it T-mode as well but suddenly um, last night there you were going oh god Egon puts his dick in slime and it's just <laughs> but anyway I think is more that they're like cuddling it or something, or they're like keeping it near them. But no, no, that's not. That's not. No, it's that's, the implication is that Egon has done the nasty with that slime. Um, <laughs> Your love keeps lifting me higher. So yeah, it's a wonderful scene. After, after that moment, they put some of it in a toaster and they play it. Uh, um, they play it, Jackie Wilson, and it, and it start, starts dancing. Um, so what they do later on is they spray the inside of the Statue of Liberty Giggity. with positively charged slime, Giggity. and then they play Jackie Wilson through giant speakers, Giggity. and then they use a NES Advantage. Yes. <laughs> so that's like the joystick controller for the NES. <laughs> they use one of them to pilot the newly animated Statue of Liberty through the streets of New York City so it can smash the top of the museum with its torch while the people sing Old Lang Syne outside. Ghostbusters 2, everyone. <laughs> now that's a New York movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, Something pure. How did they get across to Liberty Island so quick? I'm yeah. back for that matter. So the quick. Ellis Island incident. Um, you know your love. So good. Keep on lifting. I could, again, I could talk about this one forever. There's so many, there's so many wonderful moments in it. And there's, the, like, there's things like... We <laughs> That entire bit is just creepy. Did you get the number of the train? Sorry, I missed it. Um, The the Cheech Marin cameo when the Titanic turns up at the docks. That's a great (laughs) shot. Well, believe the never. That is so good. Just the the bathtub coming to life. That's a great one. Proper freaky. That's another one that freaked me out as a little kid. Um, Um, God, what else? It's just so many. Scoover's taking a top off. The um, Um, dilly bastard. I can't remember what the name of that arch thing is in New York. But you get it the looks shot. like the Art of Triumph, but yeah. yeah but you yeah. get the shot of like the big sort of like Rancor esque yeah, creature like great little gearing through creature it. Creature moment. I just want to see more um, stuff like that and just the the music dun 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 and all that stuff and it just yeah. Oh god, and the double bluff ending and the I love you, man. I love you too. It's just, oh, it's great. Covered in slime, the the, paint, the weird painting at the end. Yeah, which, like, which again, like, with Oscar. as a kid, never realised it. As a teenager, thought that was weird. Last night, something decided in my head, look, one of the, one of the paintings was possessed by a murder, like an ancient murderer. 
surely another one, probably supernatural, yeah. and is just going, thanks, guys. Like, do you know what I mean? It's got to be something like that. It has but to then be. also, we know that that doesn't last. Or maybe last. that's what Dana's been working on secretly, between cleaning paintings. <laughs> we know that that doesn't last, because in the video game, the painting is back to normal. Let's talk about Ghostbusters, the video game. Yes. Uh, betwixt them, there was the series Extreme Ghostbusters, which was, as the 90s would imply, extreme. And it was pretty funky. And we'll go into detail on that It in a was later Egon episode. training a new young team th- yeah. a couple of years after. Which was an idea for a third script that even yeah. then was being sort of, like, tossed around. Yeah, before we get to, like, the actual Ghostbusters the game, the road leading to there for yeah. many years after there was, like, are we going to do a third one? Um, I don't think Bill Murray was that interested. I don't think any of them were that interested. Well, Bill in Murray reportedly wasn't interested in number two. And yeah. only years later did he sort of say, when asked, would you do a third one? We're talking like, it was recently, it's five years ago, he said the wounds of the second one have healed. Which is his way of basically saying, I've got over it. I don't feel like that, I mean, people like to say that he was clearly wasn't interested in the second one, but I, watching it, I don't I don't feel like he's... He doesn't bring his I mean, people say that, he, that you can see that he's not bothered, but I, I, I never I never got that sense of the second one. Then again, he doesn't really break into song in the second one, like he <laughs> always... That moment Colin in the first Black. movie! Call it fate. Call it karma. I love it. As the music rises and with it, him and you're like, it, oh my god, is this a musical? And it's, and it's not. Is this but a musical? It's just, it's just such a weird moment, isn't it? How are you going to get the money? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He just has even such glee. Everyone has three mortgages now. Um, <laughs> so you get you get to the nineties, and, and there's the holdover. Real Ghostbusters goes on to ninety two. Yeah, and then um, merchandise still sells well enough that eventually someone goes, Do "You know what? We should. This is a brand we should keep alive." Yeah. And a year prior to its actual debut, a new series called Super Ghostbusters was teased in print mm-hmm. to later on be revealed as Extreme Ghostbusters, which wasn't as extreme as everyone was like, sort of obviously expecting from the title and the fact no. it was the 90s but it was a new team it was set it was... about it was set like 10 years after the events of the second movie yeah the uh, Winston uh, Ray and Peter had all moved on to other things Egon was looking after the business in New York well he was it wasn't, it wasn't... He wasn't a business anymore he was just looking after the containment and teaching that was it wasn't yeah because it, was, it kind of like wound it down hadn't it like... well there'd been no ghosts for a while because he everyone thinks they're hacks again and there's a public oh, engagement where someone's like, and wh- uh, why did you stop busting ghosts? And Egon's like, there were no ghosts any... Ah, oh, there were no ghosts! Um, so everyone thinks that they were frauds. And But then he, get, he gets a new team together out of the, the only four people that enroll in his college <laughs> class apart from... Um, also, uh, um, uh, Janine. Yes. Who sort of gets um, sort of... Young, aged downwards a bit, doesn't she? Uh, no, she's the same age, but she—I think the implication was always that she was younger than the Ghostbusters, which is not the case. No, because in this, Egon is portrayed as past it when he's thirty-nine, yeah. despite Harold Ramis being older than that in Ghostbusters One. Yeah. Um. So you know, but hey, kids shows, uh, and well, it's like a, it's like a relatively diverse new young team. Well, I say relatively diverse. There's a goth girl and a Latino dude. Hey, let us not let us not dismiss Kylie as simply the goth girl. A guy, well, she Kylie all, was she's the only Kylie good. was the first cartoon crush for a lot of people. I, I have been told. So uh, 
Um, no, this is, this is a, they, they I was the right good. I was the right age for that cartoon when it came out, and and it was on CITV in the UK, and I dug it, and and I had some of the merch. I had like the Proton Blaster, which was separate. Yeah, you could yeah. get the pack, but there was a version that was separate from the pack, which was the Blaster, and I had that, and it projected ghosts on the wall, and you fired like balls yep. at the end of it. Yeah. And it was pretty funky, and I had uh, I had Kylie and Eduardo. I had a mo- I still have the mo- I had Eduardo's motorcycle. Mm-hmm. It's in this room somewhere, actually. Like somewhere uh, I used to I used right to now. use it for like Wolverine. Nice, because um, it was the right size. There was never a Garrett toy. There was prototypes, but it never was released. Yeah, oh no, I, I yeah, there's prototypes, and he was in like sort of a Professor yeah, X esque yeah. floating chair, wasn't he? Uh, it was a big, it was like a big like all-terrain wheelchair or something. But Which he was really a, weird. He was a character like, in a wheelchair. I wanted there to be a toy of him. When yeah. I first went shopping for toys at the Tesco in Walkden. Uh, which was a Tesco and walked in back then. Um, I, I, that's where I got my Extreme Ghostbusters toys from. Yeah. And the first, I went in with some pocket money att- aiming to buy Ghostbusters stuff. And I wanted him because he was my favourite character. And he wasn't there. So I bought Kylie and Eduardo. And eventually I would get Slimer and this see-through green monster thing that sort of had like tentacles and a big rubber mouth. Nice. Um, and it's some pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, the cast was alright. I mean, Kylie wasn't too stereotypical goth girl. Eduardo was kind of the venkman of the team and the, he even the, had that I'm, I'm a scientist catchphrase but wasn't a scientist. Yeah, she, she, um, he, he was the venkman kind of archetype, really, yeah. wasn't he? Um, and, yeah. There was a will they, won't they between, between Kylie and Eduardo but it never went anywhere. Yeah. Garrett was... She, he, she was too good for him. Yes. Uh, Garrett was... She deserved a real man who at the time happened to be a... Ga- <laughs> Shush. Garrett was a character in a wheelchair um, who didn't really make a big deal about being in a wheelchair and didn't seem to hold him up so that was cool. Uh, Roland was the as a was a was a black character who never really did anything with, mm, which uh, is a shame. It was, it was yeah, it was kind I of think, like I think he had a couple of episodes where he sort he of was, was the member of the focal team. point in the episodes, but it wasn't any like character developing stuff. It was more a case of like, oh, he's just going to be the guy who we follow this week. I mean, they never go through the journey. I don't remember that they ever really did anything with him. So no. I think the, he was like the 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 techie of the team, but I. Well, maybe maybe him. they would have gone into it further because it was one season and then an extra order and it came yeah. to about 40 odd episodes including a two part finale with the real Ghostbusters returning albeit without the exact likeness of the real Ghostbusters cartoon because of some rights issues but the, there is a, there but, is a but they, they still have the same colouring of, of the characters from uh, the, the characters are coloured the same way as they were in the real Ghostbusters well, there, is, there is a statue of, of... Real Ghostbusters Pete Venkman in the firehouse in, in a mid-season episode, yeah, where but it has its face blurred out because, of course, at some point, so... animation they're probably told, "Oh no, we don't have the rights to the images of." Because even Egon, Egon loses his quiff in Extreme he's Ghostbusters, got a ponytail. but he's got a ponytail yeah. and the same color hair. Yeah, so it's clearly meant to be a sequel to the cartoon. But anyway, um, that's. I mean, we'll we'll do a deep dive on the on the cartoons anyway. But that's that's one of the things that kept the Ghostbusters flame alive. At least in the nineties. Um, Come the two thousands, there's not much news. We get the DVD no, releases. We get a DVD yeah. box set, which uh, like I showed you last night. It was a gorgeous thing. That's what I watched last night. Green and gooey with this booklet and weird CG menus and Stay Puffed or the Statue of Liberty walking through the menus. Yeah, lovely um, um, uh, storyboard art in the booklet. It's nice, isn't like it? That. Some good stuff. Um, and. That was it. There was just talk of sequels. Dan Aykroyd would be the person who would mention it a lot. He'd say, like, oh, maybe do a sequel. He might do a follow-up. Oh, yeah, I've been tightening a new script around. And he genuinely did. One of his ideas was loosely adapted into what became Atari's 2009's Ghostbusters, the video game. Was it Atari? Atari, yeah, I think they published. Um, I could double check, but I'm pretty what? sure I'm pretty no, sure it's them. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm gonna freak. Atari did not publish that game. I'm gonna freak you out, boy. Um, Terminal Reality developed it. I know that. Terminal Reality developed it, and I think was was it their like one and only project uh, on the PS3? It was. A, it was. I don't. I don't think. It, I don't think they did much. I'm sure, it was Atari. Uh, yeah, Atari. 
What? Yeah, publishes for Atari, Sony Computer Entertainment. What? Europe presents a Naughty Dog oh, no, production. It was, it, it, because Atari went under. Um, and so it was published over here by um, Sony on the PS3. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Sony yeah. Computer Entertainment Europe. The, yeah. Yeah. The PAL version. Um, but um, they did. But then they did manage to put push it under the. No. No, it wasn't Atari. Mm. Yeah, it's Atari. <laughs> but then there was something. Something happened with the like. Uh, something happened with one of the publishers, which meant that that, that Sony had to do it over here. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, I don't know what it was. But on the Infernal Engine. Um, there were versions of PS2, uh, Nintendo DS, and the Wii that were sort of, and PSP that were more cartoony and a little more by the numbers action adventure kind of stories. But well, they were based on the visuals of the real Ghostbusters. I was toying yeah. with picking up the PSP version today because, it's, but it's like it's like six fifty on the PSN store. But I don't know. I think I'll I think you can have a better experience with the PS3 version, really. Oh no, I, just to see what like the oh the, fair the, enough, like, test it. But I think I'll probably try and track down the Wii version. Well, the um, PS3 uh, and Xbox 360 game is effectively it's called Ghostbusters the video game. It may as well be called Ghostbusters Three. Yeah, yeah. It's set like a couple of years after Ghostbusters Two. It's uh, where the team once again, like they do in the first movie with Winston, they just need an extra pair of hands, but specifically someone to test the new equipment. Um, and you play that character. He's only ever referred to as Rookie. Uh, he's only seen a few times properly. So you can kind of imagine it's yourself. But there's a few times you see his he face. Speak. His, yeah, his, his, his motion and, and reference and, and appearance is based on one of the guys working on the game. Because they decided out of everyone on the crew, he's the most who just looked like a normal guy. <laughs> like he just looked like a normal... Yeah, he's, he's absolutely not... He never gets a line. In any way... Um, if I recall, he goes to speak in the last cinematic, and that's when the credits cut in. Brilliant. So it's sort of like, oh, oh no, or oh, oh, he does speak at the very end. I can't remember, but he's just called Rookie. You play Rookie, yeah. and the story involves um, a uh, exhibit on Gozer the Gozerian. Yep. Um, and and his worshippers and followers, uh, and basically, it's a pseudo sequel to the first movie that explains how the second movie happened and it's pretty damn good um the original cast return uh if i remember correctly the script isn't oh no yeah it is i thought the script wasn't written by them but it was edited by them but no it, according it, to this dan Aykroyd and harold ramis wrote the dialogue i guess it would have been the dialogue yeah they, they someone that they worked with them and they i think they script doctored it quite yeah. heavily yeah because um, the game purposely takes you through a few set pieces that are reminiscent of the films to obviously give you yeah, the kick the, of being the in the first, movies I mean, I mean i'm especially the stay puff bit which is what i was nodding at earlier on yeah like the bit you, where you are on top of the building as stay puff crawls towards you and it gets so close it's very close it gets so close and you start um, to the point you start to think have I been doing this wrong it's a good am, I do- am I doing it's, this wrong it's... is there something I'm doing wrong am I about to die because I've got this wrong but no yeah. you're meant to get that close to it um, you revisit the Sedgwick I can't remember if you ca- you don't capture Slimer in the Sedgwick yeah, you do. Do you? oh you do yeah, yeah in the dining room he escapes from the from the actual he escapes from the he escapes from the firehouse and you track him back to the Sedgwick and, you, and, you uh, and while the you're there you deal in with, the ballroom and while you're there you deal with something much bigger and scarier yeah as the corridors slowly turn into like an underwater esque environment. Yeah, and... there's some really cool stuff in that game. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not played. I'm not finished it. I've only just. I'm only played it recently, so we could talk about it on this podcast. But yeah, I don't. I don't. Um... I don't, I don't, I don't want to go too much further into the story. But like, you get like William Atherton reprising the role of Peck. Yeah. Max von Sydow as Vigo. Yeah. Who is just sat in the firehouse amongst a bunch of stuff, and you can interact with him. Which is quite nice. Yeah. Uh, Annie Potts is Janine, isn't she? Yeah. I believe I, everyone. Everyone. Everyone who... who's been in it 
returns to play yeah. the roles if they the play. If the character is in, is in the game, they return to voice that character. Uh, always an interesting one. Similarly, the team was interested in getting Rick Moranis to reprise his role as Lewis Tully, uh, but he'd been retired from acting since 1994, only playing a small voice acting roles for animated films between 2003 and 2007. While lacking involvement from both actors and lacking direct character roles, uh, the characters of Dana and Louie are both mentioned in the game. Yeah. yeah, there's allusions to Dana and Peter having... I think they're on a break? Or no, they've, yeah, bro- they've broken no, up. Because uh, Peter is hitting hard on the Alyssa Milano character but let's the be, whole game. But let's be perfectly honest, he would do it. If they'd just broken, oh, up, yeah, like, yeah, if yeah. They'd broken up the day before, he'd yeah, still yeah. be doing that because he's a creepy, creepy bastard. Yeah. But the game is a lot of fun and I will say this, for those of you who are sad that the new film isn't a sequel to number two um, with the original characters... Uh, I mean, where have you been? One of the cast members has died. Uh, but also, if you want it, go to YouTube, watch the cutscenes. There are at least four or five versions of the game's cutscenes and pivotal bits of action edited together into a two to three hour movie. So go give it a watch. You won't be disappointed. Everybody's on board. Bill Murray apparently was a bit flippant about it. But, but, the, Murray, but the more so... you get into the game, the more he's clearly going like, okay, this is fun. And he's having a laugh doing it. Yeah, like he's, he's one of his dialogues pretty great. Yeah. And you get to spend um, a lot of time with all of them individually at different yeah. parts of the story as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's entire bits where you just hang in with Egon. And it's just like, this is so cool! It's just like, just being able to wander around the firehouse. Yes. And as you pick up like haunted uh, artifacts from around the different levels, they start to populate the firehouse, which is quite good. Yes. Um, oh, so nice. I'm so just, glad, yeah, I'm so glad you got just, far enough to notice it that just looks, really cool. It just looks it's right. Pretty. It looks spot on. It, and like walking around with the pros, and they it's do set expand in, it. It's set in nineteen ninety one, yeah, and it feels like yeah, nineteen ninety one. And they do expand the technology, like because they give you like new weapons, and you have a, like a, a new slime. You have the slime blower, and you have the proton pack, and they also like do have variations of the proton pack, which give you different weapons. But then it doesn't feel like a shooter because so much of it is based around wrangling the ghosts with your with your proton ones, your neutro your neutrona ones, yeah, and your, pro- and your proton beams. And get him in that trap and wrangle him in the trap, and there's a lot of you know there's a real weight to the sort of ghost fighting. So they get that, they get the feel of that uh, really spot on. There's a lot um, of close calls too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can die in this game. Oh yeah, and, can... and I have several times. And the, the oh, lifeline yeah. stuff is very, it's very nicely done. They talk about monitoring your your uh, heart rate and stuff like in the dialogue. But yeah. what they really mean is there are two little lights on the back of your pack that you, the viewer, can see. Which yeah, there's no hood. Which, it's which all... are which are obviously they don't call it this in the game, but it's your health. Yeah, and the other one is the pressure in the tank. It's all because basically, yeah. like in the films, like they mentioned the films, you got to vent your proton pack yeah. every now and again because otherwise it will overheat, explode, and kill you. Especially if you if you switch it over to the experimental like shotgun or stasis mm. settings, and you know, which, which you know give it give it everything a different feel and. You can use the slime to sort of manipulate your environment. You can pick up stuff and throw it around. It's very, it's a lot of fun, and I'm enjoying it. And it's worth checking out. And the gadget, be... the gadget thing, obviously, is a big highlight in that. Hmm. And it's clearly carried on into the project we will talk about next. But before we move on to the new film, and we will, which we will, we will. We've gone on very long, haven't we? We have, but these films are good enough for it. And there's still, there's still, still, there's still stuff we've not brought up as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, before we carry on. Uh, because we will talk spoilers on the new movie. If you don't want it spoiled, then don't stick around when we get to that. But I first, we to our mark on this I did. I think we might do. Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm after render this one in a slightly lower quality. Yeah, well. um, um, but we asked you guys uh, if there's any ghost stuff you want to ask uh, on the old Twitter. And remember, if you ever want to get in touch, you can bigdamncontact at gmail.com. Um, 
I put out the question earlier on Twitter. Uh, got any questions? Uh, got any Ghostbusters questions for us? And the first response I got was from someone called Michael Thompson saying, "Yes, why is it shit?" Um, wow. I don't know if they've seen the new movie or not, but Christ, how direct! Uh, just let's just ignore him. The internet, ladies and gentlemen. The internet. Matt Bob Ross says, "Why do you think the trailers were seen as negative portrayal of the film? Did they miss anything? This is to talk about the current film. I think the trailers are just bad trailers. Yeah, they, a lot of the stuff in it is out of context. It it mismarkets the film. It just Paul Feig Paul Feig films just don't work as trailers. A lot of the times, Bridesmaid didn't. I didn't watch Bridesmaids for years because I didn't like the trailers. But then I when I actually watched it." I really enjoyed it. It's not the movie trailers make it out to be, and I think Ghostbusters has the same problems. Like it's just some of that just stuff choices. Yeah. All the stuff with Leslie Jones they picked was basically the, the few moments where her character Patty shouts. It's not really what she is in the movie. Are so. you sweaty freaks? I'm gonna save you from this ghost. In the trailer, you're like that's obnoxious. You watch the film, you go, yeah, she's just experienced something really freaking yeah. scary. Like a minute before, she's geared up. Yeah, she yeah. wants to just like get in there before she pisses herself. Yeah, I think it's just the trailers. The trailers miss out context. Yes, and um, which is a problem that all trailers have. But comedies, particularly without context, it's difficult to get a sense of what those moments actually mean. So it, it's they're just bad trailers. They're just poorly made trailers. I mean, whoever decided to do the whole ding 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 thirty years ago thing for the first trailer needs to be fired. Yeah. Also, that first trailer linking the film as a sequel to the original rather than a reboot is. is yeah, also a bad thing. So. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. Um, if you could pick any four actors for the Ghostbusters team, who would you choose? Hal Ramis, Bill Murray, uh, <laughs> and then, Dan Aykroyd, and Then they put, just to clarify, I meant actors slash actresses. Don't worry, it's fine. Yeah, it's cool. It's fine. Actors cover um, both bases. I you can use the terms actors or actresses if you want, but act, we know what you mean. It's fine. It's cool. I, uh, yeah, um, I think I think any four... I think it depends on the context of yeah. why you would cast them. If, for, okay, let's let's go to the hypothetical. One version of Ghostbusters three that did the rounds for ages was uh, the old team, or a member of the old team, training up a new team to yeah. take over the New York branch. So, say that was your film, and you had to cast it uh, any point within the last sort of ten years, I'll say. So you could have like basically, if you wanted to go with comedy actors, you've got ten years worth to play with. If you wanted to go for drama actors, like. Is it like let's let's chuck a few names in there? I don't think we could come up with a definitive team. I think we'd have to have known this question beforehand to come up with a definitive like lift. But uh, yeah, I mean Emma Stone was doing the rounds a lot to the point where I think she was asked about mm. being in the new one. Mm. Um, and because of the stage of the state of the production at the time, she was asked. She was like, eh, I think it was because it was going through rewrite. She was like, I'm not interested. Emma Stone wouldn't be a bad addition. Yeah, I could see Emma Stone, Paul Rudd. I'd put Emma Stone. I'd put yeah. Paul Rudd's a good one. I'd put Emma Stone in it if she was playing the role of not scientist. If she was playing the role of somebody who kind of either applies for it or something, it'd like, be interesting I, to see her I'd just take it, it on be, as someone who wants a challenge. I want it to be a more diverse team, and I definitely want a yeah. woman on there. At least one woman. Yeah. Um, well, so... I think Dan Aykroyd's like the, the the most latest version of the script he wrote for a, for a threequel was uh, two male, two female team. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, think that, I don't think you have to hit a certain quota, but I think just... No, that's just how this happens with the characters he, he wrote in. Because he, he, in his words, it was like, it was a boys' club in terms of yeah. the cast. It would have been nice to just mix it up. The thing is, it's difficult to cast a fantasy Ghostbusters when you don't know who the characters are. Yeah. You don't, but I don't want to recast the original four. Because... Someone, someone like Paul Rudd would fit into that kind of world. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think in a world pre-Ant-Man, he would have worked really well. The problem Post, is because I'd like... put Michael Pena in there. 
Yeah. Oh. Shit. But not as the not as the Ant Man character because then you look at how he no, is. No, no, no. But like the way, the, just the way he can handle that genre. But look at how he is in Ant Man, and then look yeah. at how he is in The Martian. Yes. And how worlds apart he is, and think that anywhere on that scale, he could pitch a character who was a Ghostbuster. Yeah. With Michael Pena. Um, would be a really good show. Let's put Ernie Hudson in there. He's barely aged. Ernie Hudson is still uh, <laughs> still young, so why not? Uh, <laughs> of, of, of great actresses, I could put in it. Um, Jessica Chastain. Chastain um, would be good, actually. Yeah, she's great in everything. Um, the problem is, like, if we were, say if you say if you like, you know, we've well, got to cast a comedian or like SNL person or whatever. Like, I'm not really big on SNL ever. Like, I've, I've seen some of the classic stuff from the 70s and 80s, mm. like, round the time. Modern Ac- SNL is good. Modern SNL is good. Except there is one standout performer, and she's in the new movie, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, even Leslie Jones is, like, a writer on SNL and is in yeah. it occasionally. So it's, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, they kind of covered the bases. Um, I actually think the new movie's a really good, really good casting yeah. for the characters that they have in the, in the, in, in the movie. You don't look um, around Seth Rogen for years. Yeah, I, that I, never would have worked. Uh, for I me. like Seth Rogen, but he's too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would just be <laughs> oh, <a> ghost, <laughs> which is fine in the right movie, but I don't think for a Ghostbusters movie nah, it'd be distracting. Yeah, it'd be distracting. Um, Plus, like films like this is the end of stuff. You get that glimpse of like fantastical yeah. scenarios, and I think and he's still kind of the same guy, and it, you, you wouldn't really be getting anything new from him. The rest of that clique as well, I don't think would work. Like Danny oh, McBride no, or James, James Franco. Franco. I do like James Franco. I mean, J- but not J- as a comedian. Jay Baruchel, maybe. Yeah. Thing is, he, he eternally feels like he's a college student. So if yeah. he was, if he was like the intern or yeah. something, I'd be, I'd buy it. But I won't want him in the main role. I don't think. You, I don't think. You, I don't think he could go. <laughs> I mean, with... I like The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I'm I'm one of a small group who like that movie, but I wouldn't want him in the main role. <laughs> I don't think you could go with anyone like Jack Black or Ben Stiller or any of that crowd. No. Certainly not any of the Adam Sandler crowd. Keep them as far away from it as possible. Yeah, I think if you'd have gone um, early two thousand, you probably could have got away with Jack Black. Mm, like around about the time of um, Christ, what was? What's... I mean, he can tone it down. He yeah. does tone it down in movies, but when he's doing his whole yeah, I'm Jack Black thing, it's just like. Uh, I don't want to sit down and go to like that. So you're saying Never Ending um, Story 3, Jack Black? Yeah. Exactly. That is a whole different bullshit. Uh, um, who else would like to see? Um, uh, oh, man. You know what? Gillian Anderson. Uh, wow. A post-ex-file Gillian Anderson. Wow. Um, now you've said that. As like, because look at her in the in like the more comic episodes of the X-Files. She's got a, she's, she's great at comedy. She would be good. Um, and that's called the character just... Yeah, a variation on that theme would be quite good. Um, if he wasn't a little bit insane nowadays, um, and this might just be because I adore Buffy, but Nick Brendan. Like, if you go back, yeah. so if you go back, say if we're casting this again like 10 years ago, for example, well, I think, like, that would have been, Buffy would have stopped a couple of years earlier. Xander is, again, a very relatable everyman. I think the Buffy ensemble owes a lot to Ghostbusters. Yeah, oh God, now um, you've said it. Because it's just... Now you've said it. I think, I think wow. any, any genre ensemble piece... Owes a lot to Ghostbusters. Well, there, uh, movie Bob sums it up in, in his really that good series where he says like yeah. the problem with the, the problem and the winning thing of the Ghostbusters characters is that the character stereotypes that may have existed before them have been eclipsed by them. Yeah. Like so, you you now think of like you say to, oh I sort of want a professor character who's you know sort of a bit very dry and stuff and like you know an Egon Spengler type. Is now what people say. Yeah. 
and and you know, I mean, oh, yeah. I want the one that's sort of the member of the team who's a bit of anti anti authority, a bit of a joke, you know, like a Bill Murray type, like, like a Peter Platt. Bateman. Oh, okay, mid two thousands Oliver Platt. No, you said that. Like bicentennial man, oh, Oliver Christ. Platt. Do you know after Force Awakens, John Boyega? Oh, <laughs> John Boyega is a young Ghostbuster. Oh, that'd be so good. Like, let's t- let's take that. Let's take that. Didn't work for everybody. Like you got a boyfriend, you got a cute boyfriend sort of stuff. And yeah, put that in a Ghostbusters then, movie again. Like Michael Penny, you pitch him somewhere between his high adventure Finn in Force Awakens and his attack the block. block. You pitch him anywhere yeah. on the line. You've got a, you. You know he can go either that there or there or anywhere anywhere in between. You know his production so company good. is making Pacific Rim two oh, right now. Brilliant. And he may or may not be playing a character he's, related he's, to Idris Elba's I think he's character. In, he's in it. He's in it too, yeah, but like so, it's, it's a production um, company he started with the ones who've got the ball rolling. Brilliant. And I think Guillermo might be coming back to direct it, but brilliant. it's in early stages of negotiation. For yeah, that I side. mean Guillermo projects always fall through, so whatever. But... Which is a shame because that first film's so good. Um, right, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's stop because we'll bust our brain holes. I'll, 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 I'll come back to this because <laughs> I want I want to think of more actresses I can put in it, but I'm. I've been real trouble thinking of actresses. I'm like, I failed. I failed as a person because I can't think of enough good actresses I want to put in it. Maybe that's a symptom of the industry. I think it's a symptom of the industry. We'll see. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, yes, spoiler wall. If you haven't seen the new Ghostbusters movie and don't want things spoiled, turn stop away now. listening now if you don't want to be spoiled for the new Ghostbusters. Stop. You've been warned. It's not a joke. We're not bluffing. If you don't want to know what happens in the new Ghostbusters, stop listening we'll see you next week for the rest of you you're either people who've seen it or people who aren't going to see it and don't care and are just curious to hear about it or people who are going to see it and don't care because you don't care about spoilers because you're a sensible person in which case welcome hey so we dug this movie yeah we really dug it um, um we might problems we decided well that's the thing we decided to record this the day after we saw it as opposed to the review which was more an initial reaction because we wanted to see if uh, our attitude would change mm. um if we didn't like it we might be passionately horrible about it if we did like it which we did we might just be riding on a high of surprise a day later you can kind of you know level a bit um i'm still pleasantly surprised and i do want to see it again I could watch it again. Um, yeah, I, I kind of want to see it again in yeah. the cinema because I'd like to see it in a bit more of a packed house. Yeah. Um, yeah, feel for the crowd. Yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday the 12th. It doesn't come out in the States until later this week. And in the UK, people obviously aren't going to go and see it as much until later in the week and the yeah, weekend yeah. when they're more free to do so. Um, so I might go and see it next week, but I wonder if... I wonder if critical reviews or word of mouth will kill or help this film. Because there have been a mixed batch of reviews. It's really been a mixed bag. It's been Some very divisive. Really ripped into it. But the general I mean, Richard, is... Richard Roper like hated it. Mm. He gave it one star. He said it's disgusting. He thought Hemsworth was obnoxious. He thought Kate McKinnon was annoying. And the thing is, I'm like, well, we loved both of those performances like yeah, a lot. Like, I mean, I mean, let let's address the the obvious. Elephant um, in the room. No, not the. Not let's not the address op- the Harold Ramis bust in the room. No. <laughs> let's address the Chris Hemsworth thing. <laughs> Okay. And about his character. Yes. Chris Hemsworth's character is unbelievably stupid. Yes. Like, so stupid and mm. boneheaded and mm. ridiculous. But it works. And you yeah. know why it works? Because Chris Hemsworth sells it to you. He sells it to you with a stony face. That mask never once slips. And it is a wonderful, wonderful comic performance from this actor who's made his name through big action movies where he's got more muscles than God. But he comes along and he does this comic performance of just absurdity. 
with a stone face and it's brilliant. That's why it works. But you have to meet him halfway as an audience member. If you yeah. don't have a taste for that kind of comedy, it's not going to work for you. Because and thing. that's just that, that's just the rule of films in general. If you don't have that kind of sense of humour, it ain't going to work for you. Going so into this sorry. movie based on the trailers, I didn't think I was going to like his character. I didn't think I was going to like the movie because the, the, again, well, yeah, the trailers were terribly yeah. cut. And 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 but like, there's that bit in the trailer. It's like Kevin the phone. It's in the fish tank. No, the one on the desk. Oh, right. I was like. What? But that Why ma- would that be like? What? And it makes no that's sense out stupid. of context because you haven't seen the setup that's in the movie. Exactly. Well, because in the movie, by this point, you get to know that he's a nice guy, but he, there is not much light on upstairs. And also, you know that they're in literally an abandoned upper apartment above a Chinese restaurant, which yeah. is just full of stuff. There's no fish in the fish tank, but there is some crap in there. There's yeah. stuff that's been dumped in there. They are making do with the space they have. Chris, you know a fish tank is a submarine for fish. That was a line in the movie. <laughs> and I liked said line. Um, um, he, he's, he's the dumb blonde, subverted to be a yeah, dude. Yeah, he's, he's a gender stereotype. He's a gender sometimes, he makes, sometimes he makes jokes that I don't think I've ever seen the dumb blonde stereotype in previous movies even make. They're a bit too stupid. But they go harder on it, really, don't they? Yeah. But his poker face sells yeah, it. it. He just he's like, and we don't know too much about the character. We know that he's a hide and seek national champion. Uh, he's and in one of the, in one of the scenes of the movie, he leaves the office early because he's currently in the middle of a hide and seek game. And also, he's definitely doing he's some sort of actor or model because he's got headshots yeah. at one point. Yeah, he's a part. He's, he's acting. He's, act, he's, <laughs> he's trying. To, he's trying to get into acting. He's got the headshots. He's like, which one makes me look more like a doctor? And he holds up one playing what? the saxophone or holding the saxophone. And in the credits, you see more of his headshots, <laughs> including one with a stethoscope. Well, so he's just wait, he's which, topless in all of these. Which one do you, which one do you think works better? The one where I'm uh, playing the saxophone, or the one where I'm listening to the saxophone? <laughs> and he's literally just holding it up to his ear, <laughs> like it was a phone. But he's he's a lovely addition, and, and when he gets compromised later in the movie, he gets possessed and everything. Like you realize, the girls are obviously trying to save the day. But they also want to make sure Kevin's alright, because he didn't deserve any of this. Yeah, he didn't deserve to get caught up in this. Because there is also the concern from the trailer that it's just going to be man candy, and there's going to be a whole thing about them wanting to, oh, well, at least one of them wanting to sleep with them. And, yeah, like, the Christopher Wick character does really quite fancy him, but it's never really a thing. They don't make a subplot of it. There's no romantic end where they're he, like, where he, they're he shows like no romantic interest in anyone or anything the whole movie. He's like mm. completely sexless. <laughs> Um, and uh, they, they, there's a couple of gags based on like how good looking there's a wonderful moment where they go they go and to save him towards the end and he says oh, oh Melissa McCarthy just chucks out yeah. the line we better I suppose we better go and save him we're not going to get another one that good looking and it's just but he's not he's less like he's not man can he's, he's like the team pet He's the team dog almost because he's just so. He's like good Slimer. I mean, if they didn't have him working there, I don't know if he'd be able to survive because he's just so dumb. Kevin and the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, he's, he's Slimer, <laughs> but he's not Slimer. Yeah. Um, speaking of Slimer, you have a real issue with the Slimer in this movie. I, you know, I've, I've not Slimer, Mrs. Slimer, and the thing I've become a little less annoyed by it as the days gone by. But there is a bit where the, the, the Slimer shows up during the big chaos at the end. And it's like he's given his due. It's movie Slimer. It's not cartoon Slimer. He acts a bit cartoony, but he did in the original. He was a little cartoon, like the whole flying down the hallway, eating stuff, like eating hot dogs. He was always a little cartoony. Mm. Um, in this movie, he's still a little cartoony, but he's also pretty scary. He, he like 
gets shouted at by them, looks genuinely offended and annoyed by them, then phases his way into Ecto-1 and tries to run them over. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Malevolent spirit? Like, I'm down with that. But then later on he rocks up joyriding, which is hilarious, with other ghosts just sticking out of the car, like, cheering. That's hilarious. I do like that. But next to him is another Slimer with lipstick and a little female hairdo. And you're like, well, that just looks like... That looks like something that would have been done in Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, and then they put it in the film. It just seems weird because I don't think of Slimer as a dude. I just think of, I think of him as sexless, as a genderless. Like he's just a green blob. It's just a green blob. I think we only say he because he has like a deep voice. I just and I and you keep, and you keep saying that. I, I think I think it's I think it's, and do I just, you know what I think it I is. Just, I, he keeps saying. It, I, I think it's because in the run up to the film, all those TV spots that were making the film look worse and worse. Several of them end with the shot of those two in the vehicle. And I was like, what the hell is that thing? What is that? And that seems to be the one holdup I still have, even after watching the movie. I'm just like, that girl Slimer is gross. What is this thing? But then I just don't understand the no, issue you have with that. I just I can't, I don't get it. Well, exactly. Because the thing I is, do not get it. the thing is, I don't get it either. Just, I honestly don't just, get it. Just revulsion for this. I honestly don't get it. I mean, it is a bit of a lazy visual so, visual cue to just put like a wig and a bow on top of Slimer and have it be a female Slimer. But I'd rather have seen. I think. I think rather. I'd rather have just seen a different design of Ghost. Yeah, maybe like another funky design of Ghost. But... Uh, one that wasn't the same CG model with a few alterations, or even just a bunch of Slimer kids in the back seat of the car, like they're all going off on holiday. Like, because at least then I'd be like, oh my god, it's a family of them. There's more than one. What is this? Just... That's freaky. But, uh, yeah, I will get over I will get over it because I'm already <laughs> questioning why I have a problem with it. Um, um, but ghost designs in the movie are, it's weird. I think that is one thing the movie does let itself they down They could have gone bit. harder on them. They could have gone harder. Or they could have at least had a nod to, because again, in the original, the, the human looking ghosts are fewer and far between. Yeah. There are more monstrous ones. Even the first ghost we meet is human-looking, the librarian, so she turns around and goes really creepy. She goes, and everything. Um, which you get a nice, good look at in the game as yeah. well. Um, she looks proper freaky. So we go like, oh, right, so they can kind of change shape. They look different. Even in this movie, the first ghost we meet goes all skeletal and scary-looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they face a dragon as their first ghost, you think somebody would at least be like, oh, just, just one of the three that was in the early scenes, go like, uh, that's... A- bigger than the last one or something because it is vastly different from the ghosts we see up to that point yeah yeah it, it, it's really weird like when you see Slimer in Ghostbusters the original you go just like oh right that's just a ghost because the previous one you saw was a lady who stretched into a big scary spiky haired electricity thing so you just buy that they all look weird I think it's just um, yeah. it's it's not the concern that they have at that moment because they I mean, they're already dragons. To, to be fair, they did blast the dragon out of a mannequin. Yeah, that so was that creepy. Happens. That was bloody creepy. Uh, mannequin walking around, not scuttling as, about. Not as creepy as the dead-eyed plastic Ozzy Osbourne cameo. <gasps> not as creepy as the fact they didn't think in the edit it might be sensible to take out the reference to Sharon. <laughs> oh. But also not as weird as the fact that he's playing this sort of mid-sized theatre in the middle of the day in New York. <laughs> Like I know, as he's... he's got a divorce to pay for. Come on, well, not according to that because apparently he's still with her. Sorry. I think I'm having a flashback. Ooh. Let's talk about the cameos. <laughs> Must we? Uh, yeah, uh, go on. Um, which ones work really well? Uh, Annie Potts. I think Annie that's Potts the best cameo. Has a great cameo as a hotel concierge. I think that's the best because I think there will be some people who don't even realise who it is. Yeah. 
which I think is a, I think a good cameo is one where it doesn't make you go ah too much. But she does get to say, "What do you want?" Yes, so which is great. And the more annoyed get she gets, it. the more New York she gets. Yeah. Ernie Hudson shows up at the end as Leslie Jones is uh, as Patty's uncle, who she borrows the. What becomes Ecto One off and then gets trashed at the end of the movie. Yeah, well, gets sucked into another adventure. So he shows up with an identical car going, Where's my car? I got four funerals this week. And one hers. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Um, that's nice. And he ends the movie. And um, it looks, he looks incredible. He looks incredible. Black, don't crack. Just, I don't get it. He's, he's immortal. <laughs> he's the Highlander. Um, Sigourney Weaver rocks up in in those little as, those little scenes in the credits. Yeah, she rocks as, up, as uh, Kate McKinnon's character's like mentor. mentor, who is who seems equally sort of weird and cuckoo lander and with yeah. an eccentric dress sense and sort of not quite of this planet. Um, just like I think it just Sigourney Weaver just rocked up to set in her own clothes yeah. and just went, "I'd want to do this." We're gonna, went, some, right, we're gonna give you some cool. funny glasses and uh, just be quirky. Okay, and go. So complaint a lot of the reviews have is they said like they abandon their own physics and their own logic because they uh, go after the dragon yeah. which is called mayhem apparently called cool. the toys cool. they go after mayhem and they get it into a trap and in the movie it's like the first version of the trap it's a big cylinder yeah. um, and they get it into the trap and then later on they've got it and they're, just, they're like right we've got it you need to be careful we're not sure how we're meant to contain it yet we need to build a containment unit mm-hmm. at the end of the movie in the cre- credit scenes with Scott Weaver that's what's happened they built like the first yeah. containment unit People were always going like, oh, God, so they catch ghosts and everything. So why are the weapons destroying ghosts in the finale? Why are they blasting them and shooting them? Um, well, two things. One, they're not built the containment unit yet. Yeah. They're still figuring out. Obviously, this energy can destroy ghosts. Like, they'd rather not. They'd rather keep them for study. But it can destroy well, them. Because originally, they want to keep one. Just never... so they've got proof that what they're doing is legitimate. They never really address um, it, but they do mention... But this is the, yeah, this is yeah. the second theory, because you pointed this out today, and it made so much sense. They never address it in the movie, but I had no problem putting this together in my head. It never bothered me at all, because they make it clear that the machines that the villain is building are making it easier for the ghosts to corporeate. That is, that's the word. To become, yeah. you know, to, to, to you know, pull enough energy together to become, to have a presence. Um, so well in, well, in the rock concert, they sort of imply that the reason it's attracted to the stage is because there's more like there's yeah, ions yeah. in the air, like the electric energy is sort of it is is tastier so to, to the entity. It would then follow that the weapons that they're using to to wrangle them would weaken them. Hmm. So if you hit them with enough of it, surely it would weaken them to the point of disintegration where they can't hold themselves together anymore. Yeah, and they don't. Which they do don't. See. They don't kill them in one shot with the proton packs yeah, in the final fight. There are different devices there's that so, they there's, use. There's, 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 there's like a gauntlet that basically punches them. There's with a energy. shredder, which is quite nice, that which turns, good which turns them into cool. goo. This stuff reminds um, me of, of the video game. Yeah, and of, yeah. And of extreme Ghostbusters, the idea of all these. These new gadgets. New ways of, of, of tackling ghosts. And yeah. there's some wonderful stuff. Like, they're always consistent in the original films about the proton packs mm. being, like, lassoes. You're wrangling the ghosts. Yeah. Trying to capture them. But they never really explore it. Mm. But it's consistent. Yeah. But they really do explore it in the new one because that last, that big action set piece towards the end has lots of just whacking ghosts around and using them to whack into each other and pulling one in half with it and then Melissa McCarthy has a fist thing which is yeah. like, a, like a fist shotgun thing Tim has got these weird things that's like pistols meets a taser yeah and just they, they, they just sort of like and... whip, whips them around with them and yeah there's some really good uh, there's some interesting 
I like the action and the ghost wrangling in it. I think yeah. it's, I think very it's well stuff. shot, very well incorporated into the movie. Um, I didn't. It, they never bothered me at all. That the the tearing the ghosts apart and the weakening them without trapping them, but just, just not. A yeah. Issue By the end of the movie, movie, they're figuring out how to do that. Yeah. So I, I buy that. I I imagine in the next one they're probably going to be more about capturing and containing. Yeah. It never it never bothered if me. If there is a next one, so it, it never bothered me that the weapons were damaging the ghosts to no. the point where they would. Could no longer well, the fight. Ghost, the go- like, hell was open. The ghosts were yeah. about to tear everyone apart. And in the original movie, they kill a, the ghost that is a dangerous threat. Like, they, I they destroy Goza. I imagine part they, of the... They, they cross the streams and yeah. split his atoms into a million And I like pieces. they didn't cross the streams in this. There's no crossing the stream stuff in this. Yeah. There are, there are you know, callbacks and, and consistencies with, uh, you know, this and uh, the original. Yeah. But no more than there are with The Force Awakens in episode four. Yeah. And a lot of the people who liked... Uh, the Force Awakens <laughs> liked it because it 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 rhymed so much with Episode Four. Uh, so like, like for the Ghostbusters like, like, like remake, they rhyme like, like poetry rhyme. Uh, so for <laughs> so for Ghostbusters new new flavor to rhyme with original classic Ghostbusters, it's, it's a remake. Of course, it's going. Like, yeah, that's fine. I don't have a problem with the with the movie referencing the original because it's a remake of the same concept. So that's fine. I'm doing this weird, like, sort of hand gesture right thing now. Yeah. That I wish you could see because it's quite pleasing. Um, oh, I wish people could see this movie because yeah, it's quite pleasing. Yes, this movie is. Because there will be people who go, like, well, don't touch the original. Why have you made a new one? It's like, look, I think we all get that guttural reaction the moment we find out this news. The moment we see, oh, a, I, how, a film be... you love from your childhood is being thingy. For a split second, you go, why? But here's the thing that movie still exists. I'll be the first to argue that. Oh, God. Remakes are almost always pointless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Christ. But yeah. my favourite movie of all time is a remake. So. Annie. I'm kidding. Yeah, I love Annie. No, <laughs> uh, my favourite movie of all time is John Carpenter's The Thing. Which, which is, is a remake of The Thing. The Thing the World. Um, which in so... turn got remade and prequelized. In, in... No, no, the Thing 2011 <laughs> is not a remake of The no, Thing. It's a prequel. Why do people it's a keep prequel. calling it a remake? It was because it was a remake in production and then it was tweaked along the way to make it a prequel. That's why. Well, it was tweaked pretty bloody well because none of it in the finished product feels like a remake. Well, there are, there are beats. And the fact that if you watch them... I did it once. I watched them back to back. The prequel and then the original, uh, the original <laughs> remake. And it felt like I was watching... A movie, and then a better version of the same movie. Yeah, because so, so it's a bit. I, I can see why. I can see why people still think it's a prequel, a, a remake. A lot of the same stuff happens in the thing, yeah. 2011. That yeah. happens in the thing 86, because it's the same monster. Yeah, in a very similar situation. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's why some people think <laughs> of it as a remake because it's almost the same. It's like Ghostbusters 2 in reverse. It's not a remake. It's a prequel. It's not called a remake. All right, reboot. Uh, oh, oh, I'm going oh, to hit you so hard. Um, let's talk about the other cameos before we forget. Uh, uh, yeah. Ernie Hudson really nice. Annie Potts yep. really nice. It's going to be really nice. Dan Aykroyd ruined in America because it's in like three of the TV spots. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a cab driver who basically, um, like Kristen Wiig, uh, um, oh God, what's the character called? Oh, Erin. Erin. Erin's uh, trying to... Erin Gilbert. Erin's trying to get back to the... Um, Basically, find the other team, like, because shit's going down. Yeah, at they this get point. split up, and then and it also has to go down. She has to she, go. Well, she needs to go back and get her yeah. equipment, then go find the team. So she's asking for a ride to Chinatown, and he's basically like, nah, it's too busy down there. I'm not going that way tonight. And she's like, what the hell? It's, it's, uh, it's like a block further than I want to go. Yeah, and he's basically, <laughs> he's basically like, it's not because of the ghosts. Because he, he immediately sort of says, uh, no, the town's full of, like, 
It's classified for a vapor. Exactly. He, he, does, he does some Ghostbusters jargon, <laughs> which is obviously meant to be a nod to the fact that this is the guy who was Ray's dance. Yeah. But at the same time, it's sort of like implying this cab driver knows his shit. And also has which the, is why he's giving no fucks about what's going on around and him. And also has the line, I'm afraid no ghost. And then he just drives off. <laughs> and, and it's like, fair enough. Yeah, okay. okay. It's, it's the only cameo that is a bit like, hang on, we stopped to make this happen. But there is one other cameo. Is it, is it the only cameo where it feels well, like no, we stopped no, no. to make this happen? Because there is one other cameo that makes you realise how subtle that one actually was. Because oh, there is man. a TV sceptic played by Bill Murray, who... <sighs> who, uh... Put it this way, the only reason Bill Murray cameoed, unquote, in this movie is because they said, look, we'll give you a minimum of two days' work and we'll pay you this wage for it. And he went, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I've got to, you know... And I've got, I've got bills to pay. The reason why Bill appears reluctant in all the interviews and everything, it's so visibly reluctant in all of the interviews that have, have been going on, uh, in promotion for the new movie because it's very clear the studio have made sure that the original cast have done a lot of promotion as good as like as a sign of good faith and goodwill because um, it is the moment it was like oh we've got the originals and they're going to talk with the new ones and all this I was like wow you guys think you guys have got you guys have got a bomb on your hands yeah you've got a piece of shit on your hands and you are doing everything you can to get goodwill drummed up for your movie um, I think Bill Murray genuinely does not like the new movie. I think he thinks it's shit. Or, I don't think or, or, likes or pointless. Oh, no, but I, I, I mean, like, you can see it even when he's yeah, obviously yeah. meant to be plugging it. Because even in the Jimmy Kimmel interview, when they talk about, like, the new film, excited for it, he goes on about he's excited for people to see the four leads because they are brilliant together and they're, oh, they they're are. so and they talented. Are. They are. And I think that's because he what he chose to do was not lie. He chose to just tell the truth about something that he is happy with. Because... Yeah. He has a scene on the TV, which we thought would be the extent of the cameo, which would make sense. It was just this bizarre little cameo. And to be fair, you could cut the next bit of the cameo out and the film would be no different. Yeah, because he basically shows up after they've caught Mayhem at the rock concert. Yeah. And his character's called Martin Heiss. He shows up and basically he's he's apparently slagged them off before, probably their book or whatever, and he's like, I'm not, you know, so you've got a ghost, I want to see it. And they're like, well, no, because that's dangerous. It's inside this... He even calls it a thermos. So it's inside this thing, like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna let it out. Kristen Wiig gets really pissed off, and she's like, right, I'm gonna show him. She opens up the trap, and Mayhem, I think that was the moment I decided she's my least favourite of the four, because Mayhem bursts out, pushes him out of the window to his death, and flies away. I was like, wow, she just killed a man to prove a point. Yeah. That's kind of brutal. Uh, she didn't intend for that to happen, but still. Um, yeah. Uh, so Bill Murray's killed off and then uh, the, as the police and ambulance crew are dealing with the scene uh, some agents come up to them and say like right we need to take to the mayor's office like you say you could cut that entire scene and just have them in the thingy celebrating knock at the door agents Yeah, the mayor would like a yeah. word you could cut that and it would, it would work better and since they face no consequences of Heist's death because the government are already aware of what they're doing yes it's just no which, purpose which adds other further, than more Bill Murray in the film that's it it adds further um, sort of credence to the thing that Bill Murray basically refused to do a cameo unless he did a scene, uh, enough work to warrant a bigger paycheck. Basically. And really, that's the last moment in the film that I feel sags a bit because I do feel it sags a bit at the beginning and some of the jokes don't land. Some jokes don't land tonally, it's and a bit weird. that's the last moment that I'd had a problem with after that, yeah. it was plain sailing. After that, it becomes, I think a, it really, does... after that becomes a really fun blockbuster I think it's, that I just think... keeps hitting marks. I knew I liked it before that point. 
Yeah. Like, I was already having fun with it. I was just like, oh, I have some issues with it. But then it, I'd have no issues after that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, before that, really? you get you get a sl- you get a slow start in terms of things being a bit choppy, gags being misjudged, edits being misjudged. Yeah. But by the time Leslie Jones enters the picture, by the time Patty arrives, and by the time she approaches them and they start to interact, you go, "I like watching what these characters are doing together. I like the way they're interacting. I want to see where this goes." Mm-hmm. And I think that I think the first scene that really makes you go, "Okay, I'm having fun," is when they go down to confront the ghost in the subway. I think that's the bit where you go, yeah, okay, yeah. here's where, thinking about it over the last day, here's where everything goes in the right direction and starts to, like, Just, the, tra- the train picks up speed. It unfortunately stops a little too long at Bill Murray Station, but once it's done there, it carries on, like, yeah. on its journey. Despite the um, best efforts, they can't inflict overkill Murray on it. They try, yeah, <laughs> but they don't quite manage. Uh, but yeah, just, yeah, just the glee of, mm. of everything... Like the the four leads are clearly having a whale of a time, particularly Kate McKinnon. Yes, Chris um, <laughs> Hemsworth. playing a scary eccentric. There's only one really misjudged performance in it, and that's Cecily Strong. Yes, yeah, the mayor's aide. Uh, she is terrible. Yeah, she, she plays, feels like she's walked up. Like you said, well, she feels like she's walked in from a comedy sketch. Show. Well, she she's an SNL cast member, and and it's unlike her two peers uh, of the current cast who are there, Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon. She feels like she's doing a sketch based on Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, which is what the trailers made the movie look like it was going to be. Yeah, kind of. Um, like, there's a bit of a. There's more. In a way, the characters are a bit more well fleshed out than they are in the original movie because you have the whole backstory. We find out Erin's drive. Like, that was. Yeah. I love that bit. We like, basically find out the only reason she became interested in this stuff, similar to Egon in the real Ghostbusters, is because she has a haunting as a child. The creepy old lady, like the nasty old woman mm-hmm. in, her, in her in her street, died, and the night that they took the body away, the old woman was stood at the end of her bed, and was there every night for a year, and no one believed her. And no one believed her, and, and she, she, she bullied she, school like, bullied because school. of it. Her parents she didn't believe never her. Never slept properly the whole no. time, and then one day she just went away. But by that point, it was too late. She was ghost girl. Yeah. Everyone would mock her for for stories about a ghost, and then she meets Abby in high school. In high school, who's the they, McCarthy character, and they're clearly and she's they clearly an interest, as well. So, so um, yeah, so it, you, you, they bit, they're a bit, and then they have, and then they have a, they write their book, and then they have a falling out, and Erin uh, wants to be taken more seriously, become, then, a, become a proper like a tutor in a college yeah, and the university which, and everything. Which and, the torpedoing of that by <laughs> the first them finding a ghost at the start of the movie which then torpedoes her academic career is what leads to the formation of the Ghostbusters so it's, mm. it's a bit more of um, of a human drive to it and it's and it's well, well then well, we, it continues because when Leslie Jones arrives when Patty um, Patty Tolan arrives it, she's like you, you said you summed it up beautifully you said like the outcast thing is summed up from the fact she's a really happy chipper nice person in a job where people just walk right past you yeah. and don't give a damn. She, she, she's sitting in a And booth. yeah, she still makes the effort to yeah, sort of yeah. like smile, say hello, um, indulges the weirdo that approaches the booth. You like, later find out he's the main villain. Just yeah. sometimes there's weird stuff to him. He's like, okay, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> but she's still really nice to everyone and she's trying to engage with people and then she meets these people she can engage with and she wants to... Like she says, I've come to join the club and it's not, it's not, it's not a club. Oh, it's not a club. It's and, a, and, I th- and I think for a little bit, I think up until th- their first catch... She doesn't really realise this is no this is how we're hoping to make a living. Now. Yeah, yeah. Like this isn't just a get together. We don't do this for fun. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like uh, again, the marketing and the interviews and the press let this down by saying like they hire her for a street smart. And I think the problem is yeah. the stigma that comes with that term 
because let's face it when people normally say oh the character's street smart what they mean is they're urban. Yeah, that's basically what. Do you know what I mean? They're black. That's, yeah, that's it's essentially a black character. people and they, they, use black things and have black interests. And it's so offensive because what they actually mean is the character is a history buff who knows New York, not yeah. like oh I can get you from here to here to here. Because as a lot of people rightly point out during the trailers after that part, Google Maps exists now. Yeah. Like, or, you know, just having a map exists. I mean, or these she... characters who have lived in New York already know the way around. In the film, it's so clear. The reason, the, what they're on about is that, like, she knows what, where everything was, yeah. what everything became. Like, I mean, when she first sees, the reason they, they sort of, she holds their attention is because when she describes the ghost she sees in the subway, she says, like, he was sort of electric, he was in, like, a prisoner's uniform, which is weird, because that site used to be where the first, like, penitentiary was in New York. That's where they first held, uh, like, the violent criminals, and then they execute, execute people there. That's where the first electric chair uh, was ever set up in Manhattan mm-hmm. and stuff. So they were immediately like, wow, she rationally described what she saw and explained where it came from. Yeah, she's not, okay. she's not flat by it. But then she's not... She knows her stuff. She is different from the rest of them. She's not like a kind of a geeky nerdy type. She's a bit more... She is a bit more of an everyman character. Yeah. Um, but And she's not... But she is a loner and... And the theme of it... And it comes it comes full circle in the end when... when yeah. Um, uh, Holtzman finally yes. drops the facade of being a bit crazy and wacko and finally has that moment where she's like in, in a way where she sort of yeah. does a toast to them after and it the, after cl- she's clearly such a struggle for her to drop the facade and be vulnerable for a moment Bec- be because like, at first you think is she doing a bit and yeah. then she keeps talking in that tone that really kind of awkward tone you go oh god no this is her actually opening up for a moment yeah. because a um, character is just like this wacky ball of energy and and it's 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 weirdly touching by that point because mm-hmm. you've grown to like her so you're like oh that's really sweet so like, I that took a lot for to actually say. When, when you come to the Ghostbusters in the original movie, they kind of, like Venkman and the, Egon and yeah. Stance are already friends. Yeah, and they, they all they, they, they all accept... they all trained at the same place. Yeah. They all went to they all aimed for roughly the same career. And they're already a couple of a couple of them other. are still full of the zest for exploration. Yeah, yeah. One of them is kind of like, eh. but they, but they, they are yeah. comfortable with each other. And they the wonderful thing about Winston is they just accept him without question. Yeah. They, they, there's no, like, tension. It's just like, oh, cool. You're the new, you're the you're new guy. You're, you're, you're hired. In fact, that's the thing, is it? Who's this guy? He's here about the job. You're hired. Okay. And they bring him in, which could be seen as laziness, but, like, later on, you have the little scenes with Ray and Winston. Yeah, and the yeah. So one of them talking about Judgment Day and everything, and you see that they're setting up that, oh, these guys start to get along, like you would with any colleague you meet at a new job. And there's, you, not, you, there's no... You, have, you give them a chance, and you try and get on, and, and everything, and you're pleasant. To the point where, at the end, Winston is willing to possibly sacrifice himself yeah. alongside the other three to yeah. save the city. There's no... There's never any question of them of him not being accepted. There's never any question of him, of them having any problem with him not being a scientist and just being yeah. a blue collar. Always like he's he's one yeah. of the team. He's one of the guys. They're they're outcasts in the original movie simply in the sense that they see stuff that the authority refuses to look at. Mm. That theme is present in this film, but this film isn't about a team of friends trying something new. It's about a team of people becoming a family. Yeah. And it's, I mean, to the point where that's sort of said by Holtzman during a thing. Like, she finally feels like she's part of a family. And it's really sweet. You go, aw, damn mm. it. Um, Rowan, generic, MCU-esque villain. In my way to describe him. He's a plot function. The actor plays him very capably. Yeah. But he's not given... And this is something that the, MC, like the Marvel films, the MCU, does, does really badly. He's not given a scene or two where we kind of get to know him or enjoy how evil he is. 
No. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, the... like, like in the Marvel movies, like, for example, Thor Dark World, Malekith. Great, great actor playing it. Just we're given the basic... Completely mo- squandered. We're given yeah. the basic motivation of the character. There is only one slightly interesting scene with him, and that's him fighting... Um, oh, God, what's she called? I forgot her name. Freya. Fre- Freya? Frigga? Uh, oh, is it? Oh, it is Frigga, yeah, yeah. Frigga, yeah. they're Thor's mum. Yeah. But that's only interesting because it, it's the only time we see him do like hand-to-hand combat. That's why that's interesting. We don't get a scene where he just sort of like like he should have that room should have been held like a bunch of his guards should have swarmed in. Suddenly, Jane and Frieger or Frieger's you know sort of it's like oh god she's trapped and mm-hmm. he just walks in calmly because he knows he's on top of it and just talks and they just have a chat. Just they needed something like that to sort of give you a moment of yeah. this is who he is. I, this is what like we see the motivation that's driving him because he. It's there. It's a layer as he goes through his plan. As stereotypical as it is, we could have done with a bit of villain monologue in Thor The Dark yes. World. And we do get more of that in this. In Ghostbusters, yeah, but... Even to himself. But he, even, he likes to monologue to himself. But I think that was weird because it almost it didn't come across as um crazy person talking quiet to himself. It came across like Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, it was a bit too moustache twirly. Yeah. But not that it, not that it particularly put me off. To be honest, I, 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 I didn't mind it I so think, much. bizarrely, he was his most effective, like his best performance. Neil Casey, I think, is the actor who plays Rowan. Um, his best sort of villainy bit actually is after Rowan leaves Kevin's body and he talks to them as an entity and does the logo very briefly. Mm. He's, you can tell he's having a lot of... He's enjoying those lines. And the character is, of course, enjoying the fact that he's like, oh, you're fucked. I've won. Yeah. Like, and, he's and enjoying he's, his power, which he's never had before. Yeah. Um, like the whole the whole silent theme of his character, he has been powerless and ignored, which a lot of people are. But it's, and it's nice that the first yeah. one features a human villain yeah. as well. Um, he, he there, There's sort of like a slight echo of Janosch to him, like... Not, not obviously to the same level. You know, you have go. There's no yeah, but the idea of like someone who feels scorned and ignored wants power to take to make themselves yeah he, better he, than everyone else. He yeah. knows of a way to to basically become a god, and he's like, I'm taking it. Which apparently comes from um, Aaron and Abby's research, an original book. Yeah, um, yeah, so they, they, of... they they plant the seed. Yeah, by accident, they completely screw everyone up. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, he's he's fine. He's 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 not bad, but he's not spectacular he's fine and that's fine because it's movie one mm-hmm. and and I, the film doesn't tell it uh, well, there's a couple of sequel baity little elements there's there's the, there's the post credits but it's not amazing spider-man 2 oh, so God, no. so God, the no. film doesn't treat itself as part one but it goes this is the story of the ghostbusters and who knows? Maybe we'll tell another one. I'd That's kind of the way it approaches it. I would love to see these characters again in yeah. another story. I genuinely would. For the same reason that I wanted to see Ghostbusters 2 and it be exactly the same as Ghostbusters 1 because I just like these characters interacting. Yeah, I like the characters. I think the way to look at this is like the only successful film in that series so far um, as of the 12th of July 2016. Um, it's kind of like Star Trek 2009 in mm. the sense that it's like the structure's there roughly the characters are there although these are these are definitely different characters from from the original team um this could this is basically just oh this is how that story went down in this universe yeah this is how this went these things will always be but this is just how it was told over here mm-hmm. um you know what i mean and 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 obviously we don't have like sort of um 
Winston from another dimension rocking up and telling them they're doing it right now to get back to my dimension. But I could, I could totally see somewhere down the line, like IDW, for example, doing a comic book where yeah. there is a dimensional rift or something, and the two versions of the story cross over. I could totally see that happening. Um, and probably, you know, I'd buy it. Probably wouldn't be great, but I'd buy it. Yeah. Um, uh, a day later, I'm not as big on Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy as I was watching the movie. I think I, think, I like that Melissa McCarthy I, plays it relatively straight. Yes, I think, I think any, for any of the gross out. Stuff I think her performance is spot on. Yeah, and I think using Kristen Wiig as kind of our uh, our way in for the first act is a smart decision. But she sort of becomes a little dull toward the end. But maybe that's just because I've seen her play roles where she's been able to. She's had more to to play well, with. Well, what she's doing in this is sort of the, she's very uptight and very mm. and she kind of loosens up, but she is still quite. It, it'd be nice to see her go a little further. But then again, well, it, I think she plays quite again, well it, off Holtzman because Holtzman is yeah, so far the other way that's, that she kind of brings those moments Aaron show out of the, me the character. Yeah, I think yeah. we'd like to see. Maybe that's why I have more of a hold up because it's like that's the character. That's her. I want. I want to see her do that. Yeah. Um. And maybe in the second one, if they do it, then maybe she'll have a chance to do a bit more like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's. Oh god, just the little moments that shouldn't work. Again, moments you, that shouldn't gonna... work that don't because they overegg the pudding. Yeah, but there are moments that shouldn't work that do because yeah. guess what? They're being completely earnest in how they, they do it to sell it. Because um, here's the thing: you're gonna have the original movie in your mind when you watch it. That yeah. can't be helped. If you've ever seen it, if you've ever heard the song, if you've ever seen the cartoon. That will always be in your head when you approach. I mean, thankfully, they only use that atrocious Fallout Boy version of the song very, very briefly. In a way where, if they'd have taken the lyric, if they'd taken the lyrics off of it, I would have been all for it. Yeah, because it, it's used at the right moment. Mm-hmm. It's just a terrible piece of music uh, to the point where the Walk the Moon version that we preferred of the Ghostbusters thing is what plays over the credits. Plays at the end. <laughs> That's the triumphant, like, yeah, yeah. the better cover. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, you're gonna have the originals in your head. It's there. But if you are willing to experience a new Ghostbusters story, you're not gonna do much worse than going to see this one. No, no, it's 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 not the one you know. Guys, we're not gonna get a Ghostbusters three. It's not. Well, we did. Well, Ghostbusters game. the video yeah, game. But we're not gonna get another Ghostbusters movie no. with the original cast because no. Han Ramis is dead. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray doesn't want to do it. Dan Aykroyd's crazy, and Ernie Hudson's could probably now. do it. Ernie Hudson could totally do it. Ernie Hudson can do it. Ernie Hudson can do it on his own. That's your solo Winston movie. <laughs> Ghostbusters Cinematic Universe, Winston. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ghostbusters Origins, Winston yeah. Zedmore. Yeah, I'd watch that. He's a, he... <laughs> Just call it Zedmore. <laughs> Just do a dramatic story. Ernie Hudson do a dramatic looks story. good enough to play a young version of himself. Do a dramatic point. story of Winston um, looking for a job. Yeah. Set. Have it as a mid-call, set during well, the original movie. There's a wonderful moment in one of the real Ghostbusters episodes where he <laughs> offhandedly mentions that he used to be a fortune teller on Coney Island. Oh, oh I love that. So, which, which implies the only reason you, he applied for the Ghostbusters job, because just, it just does it. He just applies for whatever, as yeah. long as he gets paid. Well, you know, we had a cape with stars on, so... Oh my god, I love him even more now. But it's, just, it's just an offhanded mention. I think, I I think that was from the... I think that was from the Arsenio Hall voiced version of the character. He only did it for the first like little run of it, and then oh someone else took over. And then someone else took over. I um, love. I like he's my favorite, and now he's more my favorite. Yeah, I'm glad I got it. <laughs> I'm so glad you dropped that tidbit. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I'm yeah. guessing there wasn't a steady paycheck in Coney Island fortune teller. I really enjoy new Ghostbusters. Uh, <laughs> some of the cameos are a bit. Mm, uh, Bill Murray cameos are a bit too much, and the, the Howell Ramis bust. It's, is, yeah. it's a nice idea. It's a nice idea, but 
the you... frame hole it holds it in frame for just a moment too long and it's sort of like an 80s Harold Ramis grinning yeah it's a weird pose like if it was I was saying before like if it was latter day Harold Ramis with a neutral face like most busts have I'd be like oh that's cool that was Harold Ramis yeah. but I think there will be people who watch it and go is that Egon yeah and it'll confuse a bunch of people I think they'll yeah. see that and think the movie's set in the same universe and stuff it's weird tonally strange and... and they do dedicate the movie to Harold Ramis which is quite nice yeah which I mean hopefully hopefully maybe he would have been happy with that maybe he wouldn't maybe he'd have been like oh god you've ruined my original idea no but no I don't think maybe he'd been chuffed I don't um, think he, he would Going forward, I know Ivan Reitman... Here's the thing. Part of my um, reluctance with this movie, part of my hold-ups with it on the way to its release, was the stories of what went on behind the scenes. We could do an entire episode on that, to be perfectly honest, but it's best summed up by the guys over at Midnight's Edge on YouTube. They covered everything. They recently, as recently as last week, did a video, that, like a half-hour, 45-minute video that rounds up everything that they learned about the movie. Um... Uh, and it's production, trouble production, apparently fallouts on set between some cast members. Mm. Apparently Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig just did not get on anymore. Which doesn't show in the film Which at doesn't all. show in the film and hasn't showed in the marketing. No, uh, what so. has shown in the marketing and the press is that um, Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon really get on with each other. Well, yeah, well, there's the SNL guys. So. Yeah, but like, like to the point where you're like, good God, is this the start of a, like, what's what's the lady equivalent of a bromance? No, it's a bromance. Maybe it's, it's a story of romance. We don't know. I don't so know the maybe. sexual activities. Maybe. Well, um, <laughs> I, you know, um, that's not speculating their personal lives. Um, just because Kate McKinnon will never be house. Um, that's so. fine by me. I, I mean, I'm, I don't claim ownership of anyone. <laughs> I love the idea of her. Uh, so, <laughs> there we go. I'll take that. Make it less creepy. Nah. No. Nope. Do you know what? Cut it out. Cut it out. I'll always have Kylie. <laughs> so, God. I mean, uh, oh, I've, heard that, I've heard that people will always be attracted to it. Stop digging. Put that shovel down. Uh, uh, but yeah, really was surprised and happy with the movie. Yeah, I hope the troll production stuff. I hope some of it wasn't true. Even if it was, it's fascinating. So even if you like this movie, listen to that Midnight's Edge video. Yeah, um, it's, it's worth looking into because the it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It, and the thing is, it, all the behind the scenes stuff basically spelled doom for this project. Yet it turns out that it hasn't screwed it up. And it could have been didn't a lot like, better with a little you, tight Reddit, but it's still pretty damn good. Yeah. If you didn't like the movie, watch the Midnight's Edge thing, because you may go, oh, see, that's why I didn't like it. It happened because of this. Mm. Or you, if you're just enjoying slagging it off, then it will give you some extra little vindication. Um, everyone's a winner. Enjoy your hatred. It's um, a really unhealthy lifestyle. So I would yeah. like to see... Because they mentioned that there's going to be a, an extended cut available, haven't there? Yeah, an extra 15 minutes Which... will be in the home video version. And the problem I mean... is, I think it will be what we the one thing we, we both sort of unanimously went, yeah, that was improv. the... The extra improv that Paul Feig was obviously... He, he was too afraid to cut. Oh, I kind of... Or he thought it was too funny. So he was like, oh, that'll be fine. But it slows the movie down in a couple of places. Again, mostly in the first act. I kind of want them to put the dance sequence back in. Yeah, that was odd. When you see it in the credits, you're like, no, this should have been in the film. Even if it was just like brief. Even if it like starts, yeah. we see it, we cut to the activity elsewhere with the parade with a, a Stay Puft cameo that, again, in context, oh, Stay really cameo well. really good, yeah. It worked really I well. I really like it. Um, and then cut back to the dance dance scene as it ends. They should yeah. have done that. It was so, weird that they didn't. Yeah, to, to give you an idea of what happens in, in they, the movie. There was some, yeah, go on. It's... What happens is with the, the, <laughs> Kevin, the Rowan the villain after he becomes a ghost takes control of Kevin. He takes control of Melissa McCarthy and that's the stuff you see from the trailers of like the power of Paddy compels you and all that stuff. And then he mm. takes control of Kevin. Then he goes and activates his machine. Ghost that went through to New York. 
And then oh, the army and the agents that have, that have told the Ghostbusters to stop doing what they're doing earlier, they come along and they do their... They, they, like, oh, they take fire at these incorporeal beings. <laughs> they fire bullets at ghosts, because that's going to work. And then um, Rowan, through Kevin, takes control of them, and they, they all start, They all go into this dancey pose, like this Saturday Night Fever sort of playing up pose. And they're, you know, they're, they're, being, they're being controlled, clearly, but they don't have any expression. They're like statues. Yeah, and it's clear that they're about to kick into a, a, a thing. And they just stay like that the whole time until later on they get knocked over when the like dumb like um, bowling pins when the Ghostbusters get knocked into them. But in the credits, which are fully animated the whole way through, it's not like you have like well like with the Marvel movie you have like the animated main credits and then you have the black the white on black scroll like you do with every other film. You have fully animated credits all the way to the end, which is either new graphics, things like Kevin's entire photo yeah. session, like oh prints, man. Um, like just randomly like mayhem at one point the dragon like flies around the yeah. credits and zips through yeah like slimer zips through it very briefly you get bits of their book and stuff but you also get clips from the movie sort of flashing in yeah. and out and then you get you get the screen we would tag right at the start of the credits yeah but, um, during, but during the bulk of it all you have the, the dance number. sequence which they obviously shot all of for the movie but then cut out yeah, well, what, from what I know, and again, Midnight's Edge to elaborate, apparently Paul Feig was a uh, fake, fake, yeah, all I have. Paul, uh, the best dressed man with not the best approach to criticism, fame, <laughs> um, he he wasn't happy with how it turned out. Either it was a bit too much for him because he'd never really done a sequence like that before, or maybe it just didn't really work. But for whatever reason on set on the day, he was like, I don't think we're going to use this. However, they'll have spent a good million at least on yeah, like equipment and, and choreography and stuff. To shoot. So, so, like, so they would have like all the extra days for the actors to learn the choreography yeah, and stuff yeah. and all this. So they, they, want, they were going to put it somewhere. And I think they should have, if they weren't going to put it in the film, they should have put it on the DVD and just had it as a bonus. Like, but to put it in the credits, I thought it was pretty cool. It was kind of cool, but it made you go, why wasn't this in the film? Yeah. This could have been in the film. But also, you know, in context, it might have just killed well, the chase. I'll, I'll show, like, show like a bit of it in the film. Yeah. Like, again, like the start yeah. of it, then go to what they're doing, and then come back to the end of it. And then in the credits when you see it, you sort of go, oh, here's what they were doing while we were away from them. Considering how <laughs> eager they were to make the front of the film as baggy as it was with extraneous jokes that don't work and too much improv, not loads of that stuff I might add because I still yeah. quite enjoyed it up to that point but there is that there, that there is that stuff at the start of the film and it is a problem mm. a few guys where you just go you could have cut earlier yeah, yeah. Oh, like that's not funny now because you made too much of it mm. um, just skip over it and keep going <laughs> um, like the glasses uh, which is my favourite which is so good it's so good he scratches his eye through his glasses that's alright when, when, you, when, you, when you watch it again like at home if you get it on DVD just fast like, forward it well like he does that and then that's when you quickly nip into the kitchen to get a drink I'm going to go I'm gonna make, I'm <laughs> by gonna, the time you've sat down it's caught up to where it I'm going to make an edit just you wait I'm going to make an edit the big guy edit he's going to cut all the extraneous <laughs> shit out um, so lie we're not going to do that we don't, we don't have the rights um <laughs> <laughs> but do I have the rights? No, nope. oh, okay. <laughs> we do not. Uh, we absolutely do not. Um, so, uh, yeah, for them to then, for them to be so willing to do that at the start of the film and then not, you know, like, not even put a little bit of that dance sequence in was a bit of a misstep, I think. But it was still pretty cool, and I can't wait. I it hope... gave you something to watch while you the credits rolled. I hope there's a whole. I hope the whole thing without the credits graphics in is in the is in the final uh, is in the DVD. Yeah. I want to. I want to see that full dance sequence because it looks quite fun. Um, but we, it's, a, it's a real fun movie. We're, we're, we're kind I'm of glowing. We're not. We're so yeah. surprised that 
that it's it's such a pleasant surprise. Like this is the feeling I wish I'd have got when I went to see Batman v Superman, for example. Like when we went to watch Batman very Superman. Yeah, I, didn't I went, I went in. It. I went in with low expectations. I went in thinking it would be bad. Yeah, but well, then it was actually worse than I thought it was. Well, be. that's the thing. Yeah, I went in with low expectations, and, and, and even as, even as I sat down, I thought, well, at least the worst it can do is meet my low expectations. Yeah. And instead, it went lower. But you know, opinions, man, because I, went, Again, I went to see Batman very Superman with a friend who was really excited for it and he went in and he really enjoyed it. But then yeah. when we were talking about it afterwards, I mentioned all the things that I hated about it and he was like, well, yeah, that was a problem. So we clearly had the same problems with it that I did, but they, they, you still like the film. It's, it's how you take in escapism. I think for the most part, films have no excuse. They should always aim to be the best they can be. Yeah. But at the same time, Sometimes, sometimes films don't have to be the best movies in the world to make people just turn their brain off for two hours and, and let them do their. I job. mean, Independence Day Resurgence is a, is a terrible film. Yeah, it's really bad, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, like, but, yeah. I, but I'm glad that I was able to go into the new into the new Ghostbusters and not enjoy it in spite of anything. I enjoyed it because it was a good movie. Like I enjoyed, I enjoyed Independence Day Resurgence in spite of it being terrible, just because it was fun. Yeah. It was bad, but it, yeah. it was a fun kind of bad. Dare- Daredevil's not a great movie. I have a lot of fun watching Daredevil. Okay. There is enough in there for me to, to have fun with it. I wouldn't go that far with Daredevil, but okay. Colin Farrell, um, Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. They're yes, both in, yes, a, they're yes, both yes, in yes, a different yes. movie from everyone else and they are reveling in it. But, you know... <laughs> but, but exactly, like, yeah, I, I, know, I, I know it's bad, but I still I get enjoyment out of it. And I think we both went into this one going, this is going to be bad. And it was bad. And it it was wasn't bad at all. It wasn't that bad. So it was pretty good. If you haven't seen it, uh, congratulations! A bunch of us just been spoiled for you. Yeah, um, and you should have gone when we told you to. Um, and also, you should have gone like two hours ago because yeah. this is a really long podcast. What are you still doing listening to us? Yeah, I mean, thank you, but yeah. what? This is a very long commute to work. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, wow! I mean, we started this at six a.m. It's what seven p.m. the next day now. Yeah, um, we've not stopped drinking the whole time. Oh man, <laughs> we hooked it up to IVs while we were talking about the real Ghostbusters. I really need to wee. Plug it into my veins. <laughs> Um, so go see the movie if you haven't. Um, give it a chance. You might watch it and go, no, that was crap. In which case, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, fine. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But we really enjoyed it. Yeah, we didn't like Batman. So. We didn't like Batman very Superman. But if you did, good. Like power to you. I'd like people to go and see it because I'd like to get another one. Yeah, and, and in this case, power to us. We, we're, yeah. we're in the minority currently. It'll be interesting to see where this goes as the weeks progress. The world will be against us. It always has been. Yeah, but hey, it ain't afraid of no. Backlash. It is. Paul. It's Paul. Really Paul. Very Sony are very afraid of backlash at this point. They've already lost. Spider-Man. Sony have made some. Yeah. Sony <laughs> have made some terrible decisions in the run up to this movie during the making of this movie, and probably will continue to make terrible decisions around this movie. But the movie itself remained decent. So yeah. well done, Ghostbusters 2016. Um, keep carrying that torch. It's been passed on. Your version is now the version that is, you know, the one that we could we're going to see more of. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah. Get like, more Ghostbusters. Why not? We're looking forward to it. Guys, if you want to get in touch during the week, bigdownecontact at gmail.com is the email address. You, you know the drill. Comment here on YouTube or SoundCloud, wherever you're listening, or if you've yeah. downloaded the episode. Hey, thanks. Well done. Yay. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't comment on your own phone. Um, I mean, you can always tweet us. Yeah, do that. Yeah. At official CDG or CDJ. <laughs> at official CDJ. God damn it. Why is your handle so difficult? Uh, okay, you ready for this? Or at the, the Matty Watt. Yeah. Watt. What's spelt W A T T? Yes. Like okay, that was actually easier than mine. Yes. Good point. Um, <laughs> it'll come up when you search it. 
Um, you can't miss it. There's a pirate man yeah. in the Avatar. Come at us, um, bro. bros, broettes, bro, broseph, bros and sissies, brosephine. Um, yeah, <clears throat> we will uh, be talking into your ear holes again next week. Yeah, next which week will be, it won't be Ghostbusters focused again. So. No, it'll be uh, more news and everything. And remember, if you want questions, get your questions in. There's some that you guys sent the last week, which we'll answer next week. Yeah, so we'll do that. Um, if you're listening to this before Saturday, the what? 16th? I don't know how maths works. Saturday yes. the 16th, big damn stream this week uh, is. Uh, it seems like it's going to be in the same place. We have we have a plan. We will announce it. On Twitter. It will be on Twitter and Facebook close to the actual stream, but we'll, yeah. there will be a stream on Saturday. What form it will take yet, uh, we're not 100% sure, but we, we're pretty sure it'll be on Choose the normal the channel. form of the destructor. We're, we're working on things, so it depends if we can get the right equipment together. But if you can hopefully. see a giant marshmallow man pooing through your window, that's the form it took. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see you later. Bye, Joe. Bye, guys. Quick, think of an appropriate quote to end on. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>